It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new set of windows or a new door can do a lot of things for you. It can change the look, the feeling, the vibe of your home. It can add value to your home. Plus, it can make your home more energy efficient. You know, with the skyrocketing temperatures, you want to make sure your home's energy efficiency is clicking on all cylinders. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with the good folks with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good pals at Runza. Got three words for you. French onion burger. Oh, yeah. French onion dip. Grilled onions, Swiss cheese, oh yeah. You may be reading those ingredients and wondering how Swiss cheese snuck into a French burger. Well, that's because there's no such thing as French cheese. Get it together, people. Don't worry, though. The Swiss cheese is the perfect complement to the homemade French onion dip and the grilled onions on this very worldly burger. Get to Runza today and try it. Runza makes it all better. Okay, welcome back into uh, the Nick Bob Podcast. We've got a good episode for you today. I am actually recording this while on vacation in Florida with my wife and kids and my buddy, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Willie, is going to join me on the pod. His family is on vacation with us. He lives in Lincoln with his fam. Uh, our kids played soccer together. We've been friends for, gosh, about the past, oh man, 15, 20 years. Um, and so, yeah, his, his wife and his kids are on vacation. We rented a house. And, you know, it's a window into how tight we are. Our families are on vacation together, right? You can like a lot of people in this world, but going on vacation with them is a whole other, another story. That's a window into uh, how much I love uh, Willie and his family, man. So I love talking to Willie. He's without question one of my favorite guys to talk about life and, and sports and really just about anything with. He's the best. And, you know, we're, we're drinking beers on vacation, recording this. So you guys are really, really going to enjoy it. We touch on a bunch of, of stuff. We talk about Scott Frost and the Big Reds Blitz Tour, where his quote about transfers and the transfer portal and ruffled a lot of people's feathers, most notably the McCaffreys. So, you know, we tackle a, a handful of other Husker football big picture questions we wrote down. Then we talk some little Father's Day stuff as well. Um, so this was super fun. So let's get to it, man. Here is uh, me and my buddy Willie talking Husker football and more while on vacation drinking Coors Lights, baby. Enjoy. All right, very special podcast uh, here live from uh, Naples, Florida on vacation. My buddy Willie is here. We are, uh, I mean, at this point, as you get older, like I always brand Bo as my best friend, but like you're right there. You're, you're right there with me and our families, so much so that our families are on vacation together and we're doing a little Father's Day pod, but we're in, we're in Naples. We got a pool here. And what is this, day five of this vacation? I've lost count. We're, uh, we're on the way out. We, we got, are. We, we got, got this one is day left. One day left. So we're getting depression's about to set in for us, uh, but it's been a good trip so far. I mean, our kids are here. So you have a nine-year-old boy. Obviously, we both have two five-year-old daughters, and then I have Mac is almost one. There's been World War III 20 times between the kids. 
Well, first of all, I'm the, I'm the backup quarterback of friends. Let's just make that clear. <laughs> Bo Root is the best friend. I'm trying to earn my spot. Well, but, you know, if he has anything to say about it, like, I mean, we, get, we get along. It, it works out well, but right, you know how right, it goes. Right. But if you need to know anything about this vacation, so what is it? It's 1145. Uh, we're recording this 1145, and I'm currently I'm opening a Coors Light. It's our second Coors Light of the day. So... Instead of a, a wine pod, this is kind of like a beer vacation pod, um, and we got a bunch of different things to tackle. But real quick, I mean, like it's been a good trip. Like this trip. has been this has been fantastic. A little rainy the first couple of days, but it's been a good trip. The the I would say the highlight of the trip so far is so two days ago, we went banana boat kind of tubing for lack of a better term. So it was us two, two grown men. You're 39. I'm 37. We have two five-year-old girls and then your son, Jackson, who's nine. And we figured this tubing trip would be like a PG version, like slowly pulling us around on the water. And it was not. They, this dude let it rip. And we basically got salt water doused in our face for the better part of like 30 minutes. It was horrible. We thought we were just going out for like a little stroll on the ocean. It's going to be nice. You take in the scene and... We get some sinister driver of the banana boat, like Heath Ledger and the Joker, out there pulling us around the ocean. It's like, man, we got we got two five year old girls and a nine year old boy, and the the funny part about it is that you and me took the brunt. Like we were on the back, and we can't barely move today. I'm still. I woke up this morning. I'm like, I still like my tricep, my whole upper shoulders are ripped to shreds, and yeah, I thought, I really thought. Do you think we needed to tell him like? hey, dial it down a little bit, or... I mean, I just figured, like, if you walk up with two five-year-old girls, it should be understood, like, hey, just keep her, keep it slow, you know? Right. Well, I'd like to think that, like, you know, if your life is you live on the ocean, everything's kind of, like, easy-peasy, and you just... You're right. out there for a stroll, and this, this dude was sinister. I mean, his whole thing was, like, I'm going to knock these two guys off. Yes. I and, fell twice, you fell once. Yeah. And, well, first of all, the salt water in the eyes, there's no heads up for, like... Hey, this ride is going to be maybe the worst thing you've ever done. Well, I mean, literally, like, we were talking, you couldn't even enjoy the fact that, like, you were on the ocean and the scenery of it because it was, you were literally getting pounded by salt water in your eyes the entire time. It was, it was a little heads up. I, I will say, but I don't know what I think of this necessarily. So when I show, I don't know if you saw this, when we, before we went on there, I had my sunglasses on and another employee was like, hey, I'd leave those behind. And... I don't know if he knew that those were going to get if they were going to get knocked off or what, but well, the question is, knowing what you know now, should I have kept them have, on? Well, would you have risked it? It's like the well, risk reward is like I might lose these, but I also might enjoy this next twenty minutes out on the ocean because I'm not getting squirted in the face with. Well, salt let me, water. okay, let me back this whole thing up. If I know what I know now, I wouldn't have gone on the banana. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Wait, it's like, would you want? We want to pay two hundred and ten dollars to get shot in the face with salt That's water for twenty minutes. It was. It was twenty five straight minutes of getting super soakered with salt water in your eyes. Like instantly, your daughter was crying. <laughs> Like, well, first of all, I mean, it's given us a good story to tell. tell well, I guess maybe so. that's it's the only reason you do things is to tell about them later and look at us. It's leading a podcast. But like that, that was from from an expectation of what you thought it was going to be compared to what it was. I, it was my expectations were way off. And maybe that's on me, but that was absurd. Well, when you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, you don't spend a ton of time on the ocean. Like That's true. Maybe we should have known better. But help me out, though. Like, why was this? Like, 
okay, we've everybody's been, I shouldn't say everybody, most people have been tubing before, right? Like on a lake. What was it about? Is it just because it's the ocean that lent itself to more water in the face? Well, like when you go tubing on any given lake, you're not getting the water's not just dismantling your face. Right. Well, it's one of those things too where like you do that. And it's like, well, maybe I should have been smarter to understand that this is salt water and not, right. you know, the water at Big Sandy where your parents live. Right. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have a heads up to be like, listen, you're going to get you're going to get smoked face. with salt water and it's going to sting. So act accordingly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there was just a, there was a shock element to it when the thing got started <laughs> that. Yeah, that was uh, that was. It's <laughs> not good. In some ways, it derailed. It derailed our day that day. But it was. But but it was. I'm glad we did it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're feeling the feeling the impact today. Yeah, still. we're still we're still recovering from it. Um, so I mean, I think so. It's Father's Day today. We're gonna get into some Father's Day stuff towards the end of the podcast. But I always love like you're one of my favorite guys to talk sports with, and because you got an interesting perspective on a variety of fronts. And so we have. We're, we kind of have a handful of questions regarding Nebraska football. We're going to kind of big picture next season, all those kinds of things. But I think like the, the topic du jour of the week has been the big red blitz tour where all the different Nebraska athletic department coaches, administrators have embarked all across the state of Nebraska to different cities and met with different people. First of all, do you think it's kind of, I was reading something today that like, I think Frost was in Kearney, and there was only there, it was in a the first couple of year the first year we went out there there was like a thousand people there and there was only forty people at his event in Kearney. It was like they were it was in a place that could hold five hundred people. There were four, only forty people there. Like just re- I know we didn't like, like just, should there be any concern with like like do you read into that at all or is it just like listen it's a big red blitz tour who gives a shit? I mean. I mean, the question I want to ask is like, what was going on in Carney? <laughs> I mean, other, other than other than that, right? Maybe there was something amazing that was going on in Carney that trumps Scott hey, Frost coming. But not, what could what? With all due respect to my Carney Loper listeners out there, like, are they the Carney Bearcats and the UNK like Loper? A, but maybe, maybe there's like a big like putt putt tournament at the Big Apple. Well, I mean, that's tough to <laughs> I mean, that's like, tough to know. compete with. But well, someone I think. I think Sip, it might have been Sip's column had a quote from some local Carney guy. He's like, "Well, you know, it was at noon during the week, and I don't even think everybody knew this was happening." Well, I mean, that's that's certainly concerning. Well, it's, it's interesting because we've had lots of different conversations. We'll, we'll get into this stuff as we go, but it's like, can you still be engaged and apathetic at the same time? And to me, that's what that's where I am as a Husker fan. Right. It's like. Am I still going to go? Am I still going to read the news? Am I still going to follow it and love it? Yeah. I mean, it's part of who I am. At the same time, if you take uh, Father's Day, my son's soccer game that's going on at the same time, and there's a high-profile Husker game, it's like, I'm not even thinking about going to the Husker game. Right. Now, if they were legit, and I thought that they had a chance to go in and beat Ohio State when they come to town, Maybe that, that changes things, things, but like the last 10 years have certainly jaded me and making me more apathetic. But that's a good way to put it. Can you be engaged and apathetic at the same time? And can you care and not care at the same time? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to read that. I mean, I would have assumed that like any time ne- the head coach of the University of Nebraska goes to any city in Lincoln and has a speaking engagement, or any city in the state of Nebraska and has a speaking engagement, it's going to, the place is going to be packed. Right. 
Well, and we talk about all the time, which is, you know, there's nothing else to do in yeah. Nebraska. Sure. And then the, the bias of me living in Lincoln my entire life is like, well, there's things to do in Lincoln and Omaha. But in Kearney? <laughs> like, and I know I mean, that's, that's an insult to Kearney. I don't mean to come across that way. We have officially alienated all the Kearney right. listeners. I, I love got, it. I got friends in Kearney. They, they would understand that and laugh at that. But I think that's, I mean, 40 people, that's... I, I know, I just, I saw that, I was like... Who are these 40? I want, I want to profile Well, I just don't 40. know, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I don't think you, we need to be, you know, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith and be like, <laughs> first and foremost, let me tell you something about Scott Frost, he's in trouble. Like, we don't need to be like that, but like, that's something. I think the reality is like, I've always said, like, losing, losing... Ero there's an erosion of losing that that chips away at people and I think there are a lot of I, I think I think one of the things and as we bridge into something we were even playing like the honeymoon period of frost ended way faster than I thought it would and I do think there's just the fan base has gotten to where they're a little bit arms crossed going okay like just we're still here for you but like go go on the field and do something yeah well, how long should a honeymoon period last? Well, I just thought one of the things when he was hired was I felt like the fan base in the state of Nebraska football had gotten so toxic that one of the good things about Frost coming back is he will be able to calm some of the toxicity and anger that, that seemingly has surrounded Nebraska football for a long time. And I guess for me, now, a part of that is probably thinking that I did not anticipate that Homeboy would go – 12 and 20 in his first three years and four and eight in his first year and go, you know, oh, and six to start. So I think a part of it, it was like, I, I didn't project that in what I thought would happen, but I thought a part of the reason why he was a, a good hire was, was this was an, a, would be weighed on the list was like, he is going to finally calm the fan base down a little bit. And that I just, it's interesting to me, like, I guess if you would, well, if I would have gone, he did though, Nick, initially he did. No question he did. But I guess if you would have come to me, when he was hired and said, like, hey, man, like, after, a, I don't know when it was, like, maybe halfway through year two, maybe, like, everything's going to kind of snap back into that old, the old way of, like, everyone's, this guy doesn't got it. This, I don't believe in him. I believe in him. I don't. You crazy if you think he's going to get it done. Like, I'm surprised that that has happened as fast as it has. Yeah, I mean, if at all. Well, I mean, there's there's certainly some of that, right? But but even now, it's like replace replace the name Scott Frost with Mike Riley. Yeah. I mean, you still have a large thinking about just our friends base and, and extrapolating out events people that I talk to. It's even now people are still almost like uh, forecasting missing another bowl game and then making excuses for it. It's like if that was Mike Riley. I think the conversation would be different. It'd be like, no, he's out of here. And so there is a leash that is given to Frost. Which, great point. Which I think is great, actually, right. because there has to be cohesion. There has to be consistency. And if it takes Frost seven years to get to that, by all means. But he's the only one that gets that luxury because right. nobody else, Bo Pelini, Mike Riley at all, is going to come in and go 12 and 20 and not be instantly on the chopping block. Well, yeah, that's a great point because I think there's a leash. There's a leash inherently there that he's one of us. Literally any, any other, any other person, people would have already been ready to fire this dude. No doubt. You know, like it, 
and and I know I'm a hypocritical with it because there there may be certain things that Riley did or games that Riley lost that I was ready to turn on the mic and just crush the dude. Where as Frost does it, I'm like, well, X Y Z, this that and whatever. Right. And now some of it is legitimate, but I do think there's a big picture element of what you're saying that's totally true. Well, there's emotional equity, right? I mean, yeah. Frost has been there forever. The example that I always give to people, it's like, well, if, if, if an acquaintance that you kind of gave the benefit of the doubt to, you kind of liked, came up to you this weekend and was like, hey, I'm moving. I need some help moving. Right. you got like 20 excuses in your pocket ready to go. Right. Yeah. But if a really good friend that you have an emotional tie to comes up and is like, hey, man, I'm moving. I'm in a bind. Can you help? Right. You're, you're like, like, all right, I'll pitch you. Let's grab a six pack and let's go move. Right. And that's the difference between Scott Frost and any other coach that's preceded him is that he's got so much more equity because of the story and the narrative that is Scott Frost. I don't think I've ever asked you this question because obviously we're both really good friends with Barrett. And we don't have to like go down this path too far. But like, does Barrett, does Barrett being on the staff impact like maybe how you – like, I think subconsciously, I've always been a little quicker to defend Chenander, the defense, all that stuff. Like, I don't think there's any question that Barrett being on the staff, like, maybe on some way impacts things for me. Certainly subconsciously. Yeah. But, like, but even so, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you are, but when I text back and we get on text strings and we're having conversations, like, if the linebackers are playing like shit, then the linebackers are playing like shit. <laughs> Like that doesn't mean that we can't go to Cross Lake, Minnesota, and have a good time. Right, right, right. You know, I'm a I'm a friend and a fan. Both of those things can be true. Sure. Now I'm not saying the linebackers have been playing. No, like I've, shit. I've I'm like just saying like it. I'm just going to tell it how I believe that it sure, is. Sure, right. Which is I, what makes for good relationships. It's just it's interesting. It's 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 been an interesting thing for at least for me and for you because we're you know in the same circle. Like, you know, everybody experiences what we're talking about with Frost coming back. But then there's like everyone listening right now. Imagine truthfully your best friend is now a position coach. Like, yeah. you're going to be a li- like, everything gets filtered through a lens th- that's just totally different. Well, here's, here's the lens that it gets filtered through as you get older, at least in my, in my opinion. It's like, at sometimes I find myself rooting for Nebraska more for Barrett right. than I do for Nebraska, Nebraska being successful. Yeah, the big red in. Yeah. I, and almost that that supersedes Nebraska right. being successful in some ways. Yeah. It's just interesting. I've never, I don't think I've ever, I want to ask all the other, like, I'd imagine all of our other friends are similar in that regard. With like, just how Barrett being on the staff is like a, it's a game changer in some ways. Yeah. It's a game changer. They still need a win. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, so, okay. So <laughs> we got, we're already like 15 minutes <laughs> in and we went on to something we weren't even going to think we were going to talk about. But okay. So this big red blitz tour. Um, the, the biggest thing that happened was Scott Frost was asked about, you know, his thoughts about the transfer portal and all those things and portions of his answer ruffled feathers on a variety of fronts made kind of national news because it ruffled the, the, a pretty prominent football family in the McCaffrey's. But I I think it's important. The quote's kind of long, but I think I want to read it. I want to read the quote. So everybody has it fresh in their mind as we discuss it. So this is Scott Frost being asked, again, on the Big Red Blitz tour in front of a bunch of Husker fans about the transfer portal. He said, quote, There's no question it's going to be risky to put your name in the portal. I'll tell you this. 
it's not supposed to happen, but the ones you really want that are in the portal, they already know where they're going before they put their name in the portal, which is tampering and illegal, but that's the way it's working. At one point, there was 1,100 kids in the portal. There's only 120-some Division I schools in the country. So there could be a lot of kids left without a seat, metaphorically, when the music stops. The other dangerous part is graduation rates go way, way down when you leave one school and go to another. We had one leave that's already left the next place he's going and headed to another place. And that's the biggest thing I think that's going to get hurt is kids don't get their college education because they're moving around trying to chase a little better situation from a football perspective that affects their life I don't think the pendulum will swing back though because every kid who leaves any program thinks they're going straight to Nebraska or Alabama and the reality is most of them aren't we've had some leave that wound up in places that I guess the right way to say it is Nebraska's a way better place and would have been a way better place for them, and they end up, in my opinion, lesser places. But every kid thinks they're going to get the same interest or more than what they got coming out of high school, and it just isn't true. So a lot of those kids are getting bad advice, bad leadership from other places. Buckle up, because this isn't the last time you're going to see all this stuff happening. It's going to keep happening. That quote gets kind of posted on Twitter, which of course attracts the attention of the McCaffreys. Christian McCaffrey quote tweeted it and said, hold on, didn't you transfer? Crying face emoji. PSA to all recruits. Take note on how a coach treats his players once they're no longer useful to him. Come on, man. At Coach Frost. And then another McCaffrey, Max McCaffrey, says, transfers in college, brings in transfers this week, bad advice. Treat all players, former and current, with respect, especially kids. Come on, man. Because a lot of people took the whole – I mean, there certainly was a part in there where he's referencing Luke McCaffrey, I think. But I guess for you, what – your reaction to that quote, is it has this gotten blown out of proportion? Like, what would you, what'd you think when you read that quote? <laughs> How much time you got, buddy? Well, I think that here, here's when I internalized it. It was it was I instantly went to business because that's where I live my life and that's where I draw metaphors from. But it's like if you weren't from if you weren't an engaged Nebraska fan or you have the last name McCaffrey, I don't know that you read that and disagree with it. I think there's a lot of truth in what Scott Frost said. Yeah, and from a business perspective, especially the point where he's talking about, uh, hey. The, the good ones, the talented ones, already know where they're going. Right. I thought that was interesting. Well, that's that's true, of course. I mean, if you're a talented business person, you're going to switch careers, you know, similar to or switching switch schools. Jobs. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, you're going to look at that. You're going to have people, one, seeking you out, and two, if you put your name out to them, they're going to be like, yeah, we want you. Right. So that part's true. And for everybody else, it's like, well, you'll throw your name on monster.com or like the Lincoln Journal Star and be like, hey, I'm available for hire. Right. Well, there's a reason you have to do that. Right. right. Like there's, you're, not, you're not in high demand. So right. a lot of the stuff that Frost said, I think, is absolutely true. And the other thing that I thought was just because he may have singled out uh, McCaffrey, that doesn't mean that the rest of the things he said in the entirety of the quote, we're in reference to Luke McCaffrey. Right. It was in reference to the entire system. And so, 
I don't know. It's June in Nebraska, and people are going to make a big deal out and of something it's, like, like that. And like you said, I think the number one thing is it's the McCaffreys. Like, I think in general, even even Luke McCaffrey transferring the first time, like, if that were – if Logan Smothers were to transfer or something like that, if that's any other guy and his name's not McCaffrey, right. it's not as big a deal. No, I, I, I see that both ways. Like, well, his name is McCaffrey, and it's a big football name, so it matters. But at the same time, like – does that make it a bigger deal from a football perspective than it needs to be? Was it was it Max or was it Christian that basically called out Frost for transferring himself? It was Max, I think. Oh, I think both of them. Let me pull it back up what they said. I think they both might have said it. Yeah, they both said, hold on, didn't you transfer? That's what Christian said. And then Max said transfers in college and then like brings in transfers this week. Right. He's just saying, calling him a hypocrite. And like, I, I don't, I mean... First of all, I don't care what Max says. Yeah. Right, wrong, or different. Like I said. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think one of the things we were talking about when we when we first saw this was like, I, what do you want from what? Sometimes I got to think like, what do you what do you want from a guy? What do we do? We want him to be Bill Belichick? Do we want our because he could have said, you know, I, you know, the reality, the the thing, transfers are here, and it is, it's it's part of the deal now, and <laughs> we're gonna like, do you want that or do you want like? I actually thought his answer was extremely insightful. Thoughtful. Very thoughtful. And the only way you're going to give an insightful answer is to reference your experiences with whatever the topic is. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to kind of cite experiences of what you've kind of dealt with in this. And, I mean, I think – I mean, I guess, like, saying he got bad – I will say the whole thing, like, he got bad advice. Like, I I thought – Maybe it was Damon made a good point on that. Like, bad is subjective. Like, bad, if you think just not being at a Power 5 program anymore is bad, then sure, okay. But if if Luke McCaffrey's sole goal was, I want to go be a starting quarterback in college somewhere, then, then this situation is actually good at Rice for him and not bad. Right. Well, but you have to take that into account, right? And that's the thing that makes it tricky. It's like no one knows, except for Luke McCaffrey, what Luke McCaffrey's intentions are. Right. Right. And you and I were having the conversation the other night where I think that certain positions, quarterback, shortstop, point guard, lend themselves to be like, if I'm not playing that position, the game's not fun for me. Right. So if, if his deal is I want to be a quarterback and Rice is going to make him a quarterback, then, then great. That's, that's fine. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's response is a little bit disappointing just because I... I just like, feel like he should get it. Like, I feel like Christian... Like, I get there's an element of him, like, you know, you're just defending your your brother. Right. But well, I also think, like, certain guys get what... Like, Christian McCaffrey understands athletics, the, the dynamic of football, the dynamic of one's career, the dynamics of then coaches and how they view certain things. Like, I have a hard time feeling like Christian... Like again, it's it's if this were if this question were about if he felt like this quote was about Wandale Robinson, would Christian McCaffrey have, have said not anything? A, no, not a chance. No, not a chance. And I get I get why he did. It's like well, Nick, well, that's his brother. I get that, but like again, I think like either something is an inflammatory wrong comment or it's not right. Like, and that's the thing that that is. I just don't think, in general, 
if we back up for a second, in general, I don't think this quote was as inflammatory as everyone made it out to be. Like, I don't feel of like, you know, how he's like, take note on how a coach treats his players once they're no longer useful to him. It's like, I don't, I mean. But that's that's the problem with it to me in general, which is like, to your point, if it's not his brother, one, he maybe never hears about it and certainly doesn't respond the same way. Since it was, it's impulsive and reactive to just tweet that out, you know, and be like, hey, you know, bad advice. It's like, well, yeah, but I don't know. Step back and take a macro view on that because the analogy that I give is I have a lot of people in my family, certainly on the other side of my family, where my wife's uh, my wife's family, where there a lot of them are military, right? And I've always said this. I, I might have an opinion on military. I don't get to speak to it because right. I'm not in the military. So there's a point, there's a part of like – is it a tired take to me that's well, you transferred so you can't talk about it? Or is it, well, maybe he transferred and he got the crap kicked out of him literally by his teammates and figuratively by the f- entire fan base of Nebraska. Right. Maybe that gives him a little bit of a different lens and he's earned the right to talk about it. I'm not sure there's a guy that's more qualified to talk about it. He's now a coach who deals with it, both kids leaving his program and having to recruit transfers, and then he transferred to, as what you're saying, as a player. Like, I always feel like I told you this, I feel like I am as qualified as anyone to talk about transfers and transferring because I transferred. Right. And I feel like I can understand the good, the bad, all different elements of it because I had to weigh that decision and ultimately make a choice on what I was going to do. Right, which wasn't easy for anybody. It wasn't easy for you. You, Right. I mean, the way you tell the story about uh, Bill Self, he wanted you to stay. Right. Right. Like it's not an easy decision all the way across the board. And I don't think that Frost's intent was to demean Luke McCaffrey and the impact that it may have had, I guess, from the McCaffrey standpoint is and they chose to react the way that they did fine. But I don't think that he was, you know, being insensitive to Luke. Well, okay, hold on one second, though. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, as a quarterback in high school. But, you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. Some onion rings double dipped in a homemade batter. A little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the Runza. It's just that simple so get out to runza today and establish the runza game or check out the delicious salads you got the chicken bacon ranch salad sweet berry chicken salad and my personal favorite the southwest chicken salad you got to get out to runza establish a runza game or get a salad either way you are going to leave satisfied runza makes it all better let's really think this through frost talks about how kids are, are getting bad advice. If we stop for a second, well, clearly advice or information, why did he, like the whole, I, I really would, what would help is having more information on what happened at Louisville. Like the fact that, the fact that Luke McCaffrey had to, went somewhere for a week and then left there, like can we sit there and say that it was a wise decision for him to go to Louisville? Probably not, right? Right. So I guess the other thing too is like, you read that quote, it's like, stop it. Stop him where he's saying something that isn't kind of true. I mean, like... Well, there's a he, lot of truth in everything that he said. And it also comes with a lot of emotionally charged information. And I don't know. I mean, it's... Right. And sometimes... 
just because you say that, like, just because Frost can say, like, you know, we've already had one kid leave one program and he's and he wound up at another, and some of these kids are getting bad advice. Like, you can say that, and still, like, Frost might still be rooting for and wanting the best for Luke McCaffrey. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, well, I also think that two things can be true at once, right? Which is why I said that you can't extrapolate the entire quote to be uh, meaning that that Scott was talking about Luke the entire time, right? He's he had more than he one player. One, he's, there's been more than one this player. This happens transfer. all the time. Right. This happens all the time. Right. And for some kids who, you know, again, we don't know what their ambitions or desires are. It very well could be true that the best scenario for them is to stay at Nebraska, grind it out on the football team, and be supported by all of the academic resources that Nebraska has versus Murray State. You know, we don't. Or now Rice. Or Rice. I mean, we don't know. But right. but but again, if it's if it's not that, and the kid thinks he's doing what's in his best interest, well, then good for him too. Right. It's not for Scott Frost to determine what's right for the player, or what's not right. Sure. For the it's for the player. But at the same time, everything he said, I don't think that. Again, if you're not McCaffrey's or Nebraska fans, you look at that and you say, makes sense to me. Right. Like, there's a ton of resonance in everything he if said. If you're an Iowa State football fan. You'd read that quote and you'd go, that makes sense. And you That's move interesting. on. Right. Right. Now, I mean, because I also don't like, I mean, I also think there's, I'm trying to think of, like when I left radio and, you know, like the GM at 1620 offered me a new contract to stay, right? But I knew I was ready for something new. I wanted to start this podcast or whatever. If... Someone would have asked this my GM, my old GM, about like losing employees, and he would have said something like, "Hey, I think like if he said something like, "Hey, I think Nick got bad advice, and you know, I think he I, he's going to end up in a place that I don't think is as good as this place." I don't know, like that's his opinion, sure, and I'm not necessarily like, and and I think it's his opinion because he wanted me to be there. He still wanted me to be at 1620. Frost, I think, clearly wanted Luke McCaffrey to still be at the University of Nebraska. This wasn't a case of, of Frost running off Luke, like being like, you need to get the hell out of here. So I also think like you can, just like I told you the story, but Bill Self told me like, hey man, I want you to stay and I think you're going to play eventually. So I want you here. But if you want to leave, then... You can't like then. Then that's fine. I'll, I'll support you. Or whatever. Right. Like, but I think you can support, but still say, hey. But I think I think they. Sh I think I think Frost can support. What I'm trying to say is Frost can support McCaffrey, but still say I think he got bad advice and he he'd be better off here. You know what's interesting though about what about that topic is that you so you have loyal listeners in the greater Omaha area yeah. that are listening to you on 1620. The difference there is that. If you leave and you start a podcast, which you have, they can still listen and get the best of you and be even more emotionally invested. Sure. Right? They get they get more of what you are. Of course, the 1620 GM wanted you to stay. But from a fan's perspective, they still have access to Nick Ball and the content that you put out. Right. If you switch that to football, the weird thing is, like, er, not, not everybody, but a lot of Nebraska fans are like, well, Luke McCaffrey is dead to me. And the McCaffrey, I read a quote, the McCaffrey family's dead to me so much so that I'm not going to have Christian on my fantasy team. 
It's like, right, right. <laughs> I mean, there's like, well, there's a reason people don't come to Nebraska, you lunatics, because like, that's absurd. Like you're trying to win a fantasy football championship. Right, right. He's a good running back. Just right. draft him. Right. But it's a little bit nuanced in well, that way. You're, you're so right. Like I've always said, nothing evokes more hypocrisy from fans quite like transfers do because, you know, uh, Marquis Step, this new Ohio State five-star corner that transferred in, uh, Oliver Martin transferring from Iowa, all those guys, great kids. They just needed a change of scenery. Super <laughs> talented. This is great. But when Wandale Robinson, Luke McCaffrey transfer, it's like selfish, good, good riddance, didn't want him anyways. Like nothing evokes hypocrisy. I even think to a certain extent, like for coach, I do wish coaches – and this is where I may be speaking of, I do wish coaches sometimes, and I think you're starting to see the pendulum swing a little bit. I used to get tired when coaches would bash transfers, but then take transfers. You, you know, like if it's so bad, then you do have that, like if all coaches think transfers are terrible, well, guess what? You guys all hold the power to basically make the transfer market non-existent, right? Right. But th so it's just, it's funny to me how like, it, there, that topic always seems to like, well, if it's helping me, then it's good. But if it's hurting me, then it's bad. Exactly. Well, like hypocrisy at a more fundamental level too, right? It's like, listen, I work for uh, Waddell and Reed mm -hmm. and Charles Schwab just offered me 20,000 more dollars and they're going to be more of a fit for me. So I'm going to make that decision because it's good for me. It's good for my family. Like no one cares because you're ron jones and no one's following you <laughs> right right but at the same time ron jones who makes that move is like how in the world could wandell robinson transfer to kentucky right so you just did the same thing because it was in your own best interest right like the the truth that nobody wants to admit is that the thing that you care about most in this world more than anything else is yourself right like that's a tough reality to come to that doesn't mean you don't love everybody in your family and all that good stuff that goes with it. But like, you're always going to make the decision that's in the best interest of you. And, and here's the thing that drives me nuts is Divino Zigbo. Divino Zigbo had numerous – like, dude, dude, every year was like third on the depth chart, lost out on the starting spot, third on the depth chart, third on the depth chart. And he hung in there, right? Hung in there, kept on fighting, kept on working, kept on battling, kept on fighting, kept on working. And – all of a sudden, his senior year, opportunity presented itself, stars aligned, boom, has an incredible season. And everybody wanted to point to, like, that's why you stay. That right there, it, good for Divino Zigbo. This should be a lesson to every kid that gets mad that they're not starting and playing and da-da-da-da-da. And I, what I want to say is, like, for every one Divino Zigbo, there are hundreds, potentially thousands of guys that – stay third on the depth chart, never play, and they don't get their opportunity to go showcase what they can do. So that, that always used to bother me too. Like I'm not saying like, I think, two, again, we're saying like two things be true once. Good for Divino Zigbo to grind, stick through it, continue to work, stay ready, get an opportunity to explode. But just because it worked out for him doesn't mean case closed, checkmate, mic drop, this is why you don't transfer. You know what I mean? 100%. I mean – we all love the loyalty story and it's great right. when it works out. Right. I mean, you played with them. I played with them. Alex Gordon's story in Kansas city is great. Sure. If he goes and 
you know, after year seven or whatever, once he was on the upswing and he goes to the, the Yankees. Yankees and he wins a title with the Yankees, it's like it's nice, but it does not have the meaning that it has the way that they won in Kansas. Totally City. agree. So the hero's story and the hero's journey, which is rooted in every single movie that we've ever watched, which is probably the reason we love it. Yeah. Like, it's great. But to your point, statistically, it's an anomaly. Right. Statistically, it just probably doesn't happen, right? And so, you know, it's very nuanced with all this stuff. And so I just, I, I felt like, uh, the other thing too, I don't know, I'd love, it, I'd love to talk to like a Mitch Sherman or someone who was there, like, the context of this quote, it's like, I suppose anytime you are speaking publicly, it's on the record and kind of meant for public consumption. I suppose like in 2021, that's just the way it is. But I guess like a Big Red Blitz tour, I don't quite view as like a legitimate media session. Does that make sense? Like was, was I got it, no was, problem with like photos being taken to show, because I think it's cool to see like, hey, check out, here's Eric Chenander in Alliance. So like, oh, that's cool, you know, like that. But I mean, a part of me, and I think it might've been Mitch, and listen, I love Mitch, but it's like, do, do we need to like, and I get like, he's got, you know, he's got a job to do and he's got like, you know, I mean, he's covers Nebraska and all that stuff. Like, but I'm also like, can we every once in a while just like let like, like, was this meant to be a media event? Was this in Carney? That I'm where, not sure of. I'd have to double check on where this was. Regardless, I'm guessing they didn't have I mean, a ton more than 40. I'm not sure where it was at. Regardless, it's. I think it was in Carney. I think it was. Right. Let's take this. So but you, wherever, I mean, who well, you, you know me well enough to say, I mean, how many times have I said that we have not figured out how to live in an internet world as a species? Right. And we just haven't figured it out. Like, we don't get it. We're still living in as if the world's 1990 and now it's 2021. Sure. So let's say that this, this quote would have taken place in 1997. Right. Which it wouldn't have because we were kicking everybody's ass. Right. But let's say it did. You would never hear an inkling about it. Yeah. You never would have heard about it. Like you maybe it would have been wrote in the Carney Gazette or like whatever. <laughs> like it wouldn't it would not have gone viral the way that it did because everybody's an opportunist. Right. Right. So every media publication, Mitch Sherman's not immune to this, and you know this as a podcast host. Like you a lot of times you get paid based on attention and sure. eyeballs. Sure. So you can take a story that the intent of Scott Frost was just to give an honest answer about the transfer portal. And all of a sudden, it turns into Scott Frost is a villain, and he's chastising Luke McCaffrey for his decision. Unfortunately, I feel like there's not enough intelligent people out there to be able to discern between the two, and right. it becomes this big non-event that everybody's up in arms about for five days. Five I mean, listen, days, by the time we're recording this, it's probably like, yeah. Like by right. the time we get home in Lincoln on Tuesday, it's like, this is done, and we're on to the next non-trivial thing. thing. Yeah. But it just was, I also wrote that down. I'm like, Context, I've always just felt like context matters uh, on a variety of fronts. As, and then in this instance, like, where are you? Where were you at when you said this? Who were you around? What was the setting? And, like, I also, like, was this a legitimate media event? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think that's highly debatable. It's June in Nebraska and it involved a high profile football family. And everything, listen, everything is a bigger deal when you're not winning. <laughs> that's true. Like everything is a, just everything gets filtered through this lens of being a problem 
And, and so what if be, Nick Saban would have said the exact same thing? I just don't think it's a thing. Or as big of a thing. Well, it may, it maybe a is thing, a thing, be a but thing. It's, it's not even – it's not – but, like, because Scott Frost has not won, it's, it's become, like, a, a problem, you know, which is just kind of dumb. Uh, anything we're missing with that? We feel good about that? Mm. Only the fact that, like, I'm disappointed by the fact that Christian McCaffrey – Tweeted I'm a that. In, in my mind, it's like Christian McCaffrey's doing nothing but running wheel routes and running through tackling dummies. Right, and just right. Like but it's like building himself into an icon. Right. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I just don't, I don't. Look, I just wonder, I also would love to know what Luke, like truthfully Luke, because I'd love, to, I wish I could have been a fly in the wall when Luke first saw this quote, how he reacted to it. You know, like, was Luke, was Luke like, man, fuck that. Or was Luke like, I get it. Like, I just don't... Now, maybe I'm mature enough now as a 37-year-old. Like, I gave the analogy of the 1620 GM. Or if Coach Self, like, when I transferred, if he just said, we just had a guy leave and go down to a mid-major level, uh, I, think he, I think he'd listen to the wrong people. I think he'd have been better off here. I just don't think that's that offensive. Like, I'd have been like, well, I just... I think I'd have been like... You know, there'd have been a part of me like, well, I'm going to prove to you that I did the right thing. Or, But I think I would have understand, like... Y'all do y'all do understand that like Frost w- still want he wanted Luke McCaffrey to stay. Well, is anybody is anybody in the right mind going to dispute the fact that being a backup quarterback at Nebraska is worse than being a starting quarterback at Rice? I think most people would be like, no, it's a better situation to go play for a Power Five and get that you know degree from Nebraska. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, no. we don't know. Right, we don't know. We, we we don't know. Like you said. Only Luke McCaffrey knows it, what he, Luke McCaffrey wants. And if Luke McCaffrey is simply seeking, because I said this the other day too, of like trying to figure out why he left Louisville. Like when you transfer, you're seeking guarantees. Like you don't want to, like why would Luke McCaffrey leave Nebraska where he's the backup quarterback battling to be the starter to go enter into a situation where he's the backup quarterback trying to be the starter? Like, and maybe that's what revealed itself. And Rice finally was the one sure thing that was like, hey, dude, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. You come here, you're the number one guy. Right. And that's also at play here a little bit, too. Right. Well, and is that, is that, so then there's two sides of the coin to that, right? Which is like, well, Luke McCaffrey's not a competitor. He's just going to go where he's handed the job. Or it's Luke McCaffrey doesn't want to spend his finite college experience being a backup quarterback. To me, that's where, like, not all, not, it's where you got to be painted, you got to be careful of painting a broad brush, like, Luke doesn't want to compete. It's like, he wants to play. That's fair. He wants to play. I I don't, I mean, he has battled and competed. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I've always said, too, like, Luke got his chance. And, like, unfortunately, like, that Illinois game, that swing pass, the first play of the Illinois game probably ended Luke McCaffrey's Nebraska. Well, it's funny because you say, well, are we done on this topic? I think the thing, and I don't know enough, and I've learned this from you and Bo and Barrett and Alex, like, people yeah. having conversations with, like, you do, not, you do not know the inner dynamics of a locker room. Right. You don't know the first thing about it. None of us do as fans. And so – the other thing that hasn't been really reported on is, well, what was Luke's, Luke's responsibility in this whole deal? Right. Because it sounds like, externally, that he was pretty coy about it and actually left a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of the coaches. Is that true? I don't know. But that's being reported. Right. So who shares the responsibility? So when you tweet out as a brother or as a family member, like, bad advice, are you being biased? Right. Rightfully so? Or are you just... Totally you know, agree. I don't get it. 
Because, like, even remember, he was in street clothes for the Rutgers game. And, like, there was, yeah, I, I mean, there were, like, things you heard that, like, it, 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 things got a little, it seemed like it got a little rocky. Well, did it ever and, make sense to you, like, so, for example, when we played Ohio State. Right. And we came out early on, and we had this kind of, like. He's, he's a running back. Like he's weird a receiver. Dynamic. Yeah, like yeah, like different ways, this toolbox, this Swiss Army knife yes. of driving down the field and scoring. And for a second, you were like, this yeah. is going to be good. Like, right. what a good omen, right? right? It's like the guy in Major League when he gets like a check swing single. <laughs> it's like, it's good. Uh, but, but then after that game, for whatever it reason, again. it never happened again. And I'm like, is that because the coaches didn't want that to happen? Or was that because Luke was right. almost like, don't use me like a Swiss Army knife? Right. I don't know. But if it was the latter, we, there's or, a, there's, or like, or did he like, when after, my guess is maybe after the Illinois game, they opened the job back up. So like, he, so Adrian's a starter. Adrian gets benched against Northwestern. Adrian come, or Luke comes in. Then they beat Penn State. And then the Illinois game happens. And then they open the job back up and they gave it to Adrian. And did he, then check out like did he feel some type of way about that and yeah like so I guess what we're saying is like you don't know like you don't you don't know exactly what was going on with that situation either well here's what I don't know in a world of like insurmountable replays why in the world was that uh pass in the Illinois pass? game not reviewed I don't know where everything's reviewed under everything's the sun. reviewed right and why in the world was that not reviewed maybe that maybe sure maybe, maybe like I, well I think we saw the like I don't get that I think the, the review guy was late for the game. He was in traffic. He was like, I heard they got good <laughs> runs. Uh, what's this runs all about here? I'm like, <laughs> he was late. He was, he was late. Okay. Uh, we got a handful of questions about Nebraska football, the season, big picture stuff, and then we'll do some Father's Day, Father's Day stuff and get out of here. But we'll get into these questions here that I'm, I think are going to be really, really interesting. Okay, question number one. As we open up, how many? I'm mean, okay. This is my. This is my third. I think it's my third Coors Light. Third Coors. The mountains third aren't Coors. blue on that one. They've we haven't. Whenever out. you've had your third Coors Light and you haven't even had lunch, is your life? Isn't it funny how that in and of itself can be? Well, what's the context? Like if you, it's a two. If it's a Tuesday and you're at home, you probably you're you probably needed an intervention of some kind. But when you're on vacation with your buddy, your buddy's family, like. It's okay. You know what I mean? Well, I know that lunch is going to taste oh. really good no matter what it is. Is today going to be like a nap day? Are we going to have to nap? Oh, yeah. It's Father's Day. <laughs> it's Father's Day. We get to do what we want. Well, you were saying yesterday, and I think it's kind of an interesting paradox, which is like, why is it on Mother's Day and Father's Day the natural default is to be like, get my kids the hell away from me? That's funny to me. Like, like I don't, Just give I've me never, alone time. I don't even want you. I've never understood that. Like, it's, it seems more so, even though our, our wives have been good to us, like, we haven't had to do like a damn thing today. But like... Mothers in general, it's like Mother's Day, your gift is to not be a mother. <laughs> well, being a mom's hard. It's, it is hard. You know what else is hard? Winning games at Nebraska football right now. So, do you ready for these questions? Do you write down, how many do we write down? One, two, three, four. Four questions, and we got some Father's Day stuff. We're out of here, right? By then, we'll be crocoed and ready to go jump in the pool. Six scores lights deep we'll be after like that. Freaking rocked at the end of it. Like, I just want to see the Amon Green back out there again. <laughs> what? Okay, question number one. Sometimes, Willie, the simple questions are the best one. Question number one for all of you playing along at home. You can think about this. 
What is a successful season? Year four, Scott Frost, 12 and 20. What is a successful season? When, we, when you are at Christmas, what is it that you are going to be able to sit around with your family and say, like, I thought this season was successful. What is it? What's the, what's, how would you phrase it, frame it? Is it a record? Is it not? Like, what, what is it to you? Yeah. I would preface it, which is, and I think maybe this has been part of our problem for a long time. A lot of, a lot of prefacing going on. Well, it's just a lot of unreal. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Let's, I'm trying to draw a good analogy here. It's like, regardless of the topic, right? Okay. Let's say that you're a three on the 10 point scale. Yep. Exercise, weight, let's use health as a, as a topic. You're a three in terms of where you want to be. If I tell you you got to go from a three to a nine, like that's a quantum leap. You're like, nah, man, it's Tuesday morning. I'm just going to keep drinking Coors Lights and eating quesadillas for lunch. Right? But if I tell you that you, you need to go from a three to a four, I can do that. Like I can, get, I can put the Coors Light down. I can walk around the block. Like, I can go from a three to a four. Right. So, like, Husker football, I think, needs to, unfortunately, take that same approach. Right. So, my answer is, we make a bowl game with this schedule. It's a success. There's a lot of people that want to go, like, well, if you break it down, like, we can go nine and three. And it's like, I don't know that we can. Let's just get to a bowl game. (laughs) Let's play at the end of December. Right. And let's build some positive momentum as opposed to going four and six. Agree. I I think, like, uh, I'm with you. Where so many, it's funny how so many people create this world where it's like, where you can go four wins, four wins, five wins, 12 wins, champs. It's like, what's the example for that? Because even Frost going 13 and 0 at UCF, two, the, the year before, that like Blake Bortles and those dudes were just there and won a bunch, like I think they went 12 and 1 or something like that. Like, well, they had a crappy season. I mean, I don't know if they won, even won a game before Frost before came Frost in. Before Frost got there, they went the over. But the year, I want to say the year before that, they they were like a, a double digit win team. Yeah, context, so, so I think that, that over season was maybe a little misleading when you take in the totality of like year by year by year. But your point is a good one. Like, I mean, we got Mac here. My, 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 Dude is almost one. Like, he needed to roll over, and then he needed to sit up, and then he needed to crawl, and then he's going to walk. Like, there are incremental things with this thing. Yeah, would we all hope that it, next year's 10 wins and they're, like, playing Ohio State in the Big Ten title? Sure. Do I think that's unreasonable given the past three seasons? Yeah, I do think that's unreasonable. Yeah. So, I, I think, like – the way I, cause I'm totally with, it. I wrote down, get to a bowl game. So honestly, if we were sitting at the end of the year, if they're six and six and they're playing, you know, in the Kraft macaroni and cheese bowl, like <laughs> to me, that's progress. That that's works. progress. And I've used this analogy time and time again with Frost. I did it in this first year. You know how when you order something on Amazon or order anything, you can track your package, right? Okay, it's in Florida. Now it's in Atlanta. Now it's in Oklahoma. Now, like, you, you, your package hasn't arrived, but it's nice to know that it's getting closer, right? So I do think there's some sort of element of, like, 
how it looks does matter, right? Like sure. you want to get to a bowl game, but you do want to see a handful of things improved upon. But I just want to see the tracking of the package, the package being eventually winning a championship again, getting to a you know, getting to the Big Ten title, winning a Big Ten championship. You want to see that progress coming. Well, a way to track ne- the Nebraska's package right now is get to a bowl game. Right. What if you track the package, though, and it goes five and seven? See, that's the, pro- that's the thing, though. Like, I could make a case. I got to be careful here as I immediately go, shut up, man. <laughs> I could make a case like they could look better and go five and seven and look more explosive offensively, better on special teams, so on and so forth, all the things. And and then have some games where it's all it's the same greatest hits of issues, but they find a way to win and they go six and six. Well, like at the end of the day, the beauty of sports is it's a bottom line business and they keep score. And you either win or you lose. And you are kind of what your record says you are. So I think it's it's somewhere in the middle. Like I think you got to get to a bowl game because at some point you got to start winning these games. Like we like you have to start finding a way to win. Five and seven, no matter how good it looks, doesn't satisfy me as much as six and six in a bowl game. Agree. That's how I am. Like because because I also think these things are tied together. Like if you if you get in, if you get better at these certain things, you're going to win more of these games. Like I think we talked about it before, and we'll get into this in just a second. But like. There's so many things, if they were just a little better in, like, simple things, they would have won more games and gotten to a bowl game. Like, I think if they were just better at a handful of things, they've already have gone to two or three bowls. Yeah. Well, the whole – I mean, you can get into, like, a ethereal conversation or f- philosophical conversation about how one thing can change the outcome of many things. Right. And I think that's what you're, that's what you're speaking to. It's like, what if we have better clock management in both Colorado games? Right. Like, how does that impact everything that we've done? Well, that's what I was going to say, too. The, the, the reason it's still go to a bowl game is because – it's, it's funny. Barrett has been a broken record. I don't know if you talked about this, but, like, when I've had him on my pod, we're not on my pod. Like, he's been a broken record on, like, these guys just need to see success on Saturdays to validate what they're doing Monday through Friday. And then it just builds. Like – it, it snowballs, the confidence, they believe they're going to win, builds. Like, and we'll get into this a little bit later on. Like, there is an element of when something goes wrong right now with the, the team and the program, it's a, oh, here we go again mentality. The only way, this is the harsh reality of sports and building a program back up. The only way to become a winning program is to win. Like, you just have to win eventually now I think maybe in year one you could say like that's not true it's about instilling you got to be process oriented not results oriented well like how long are you going to be process oriented until like you do need to see some results like if I hire a dietitian and they're and I'm like on their diet plan for three years and I've still lost no weight and they're like just you just hold on like I mean at some point I got to see some results and so I think that's the other thing too it's like it's got to be a bowl game because like they need winning to start getting contagious and the confidence that comes with that. Right. I mean, momentum's a thing. Yes, for sure. Across the board. Mm-hmm. Not just winning games. I mean, momentum is how you recruit. It's how you practice. It's everything that goes into it. Right. So, I, I mean, 
I think it's pretty simple. And I really, I do think if you ask, I don't know, sometimes I give Husker fans the benefit of the doubt too much. But like, I, I actually think if you polled, do you think most Husker fans, you poll all of Nebraska football fans and you simply said, would be going to a bowl game be a successful season? Do you think that most of them would say, I agree with this statement. I disagree with this statement. <laughs> I mean, that's such a loaded question. Because what I want to say is yes. But I don't know that I even. What do you that. really think? I mean, what do well, you like, like? If you had like, to, like, like, if you had to. But it's like, the, it's like the guy that sits behind me in, you know, in Memorial Stadium, two rows up, where a few years back, 2018, 2019 timeframe, was like fourth and two <laughs> in a precarious situation where we didn't have a kicker. So we decided to punt, right? And he screams out, well, this is Nebraska football. We play for championships. We go for it here. And it's like, I don't know what product you've been watching. <laughs> right. For the last two decades. <laughs> but like, we played to maybe be in the game late. <laughs> and that's what we're doing here. Right? We're trying to get a W on the board any way possible. I but homeboy you. up there listening to 1400 on his headphones. <laughs> like, is like, let me throw on my starter jacket and go have a party. It's like, it's, it's not. It's not 97 anymore. Oh, did he, did he hit up Blockbuster Video in the like, new release section yeah, after the game? He's like, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to rewind this tape. Just <laughs> charged me the $17. Oh, my God. So I, I know I'm I, laughing because so it's funny. What, but I don't know I, what I believe because I think that there's a lot of rational Husker fans that would say, well, yeah, if we go to a bowl game, <sighs> given this schedule, that's the other thing, too. Is given, like, this schedule, given this schedule, that's positive momentum. That's where I come out on it. I think that that's where a lot of people would come out on it. I also think there's a, there's a subset. I don't know how big it is. That would be like 6-6. Six and six. This is Nebraska. We don't play for 6-6. Six and six. Right. It's like maybe, maybe you're the reason we are 6-6. Six and six. No, you're right. I mean, I do think that they're, they're, those people are always going to – like those, there is a pocket of people that are like that. Yeah. That no matter what, 6-6 six and six is a shitty year. But – like, I just, I don't know, at some point, there's got to be some improvement, and getting to a bowl game would be improvement. So, it's successful, that, what's a successful season to me? It's like, if they go 6-6 six and six and get to a bowl game, that's improvement. Right. Well, or I mean, a successful season. I mean, to, to me, that's indisputable. Yeah. It's also a little bit of a reflection of society, not to get too deep. It's like, step back for a second, Christian McCaffrey, and think about what Scott Frost said. In the scheme of college athletics, he's pretty spot on. Like, step back for a second, Husker fan, and look at 6-6 six and six this year with the schedule that we have. It's a win. Right. Like, you're not going to be happy because instead we're playing in the Outback Bowl on January 1st, we're going to be playing, like, the Armed Forces Bowl in <laughs> New York City, and it's 50 below. <laughs> like, and that's the difference. But in the scheme of things, it's pretty good. Right. No question. Like, you have to... There has to be at some point you got to start taking steps in the right direction. You got a package has to start tracking. Right, change your expectation for all the right reasons. And so, okay, so I think we're in agreement there. It would probably be better if we were doing our Max Kellerman, Stevie, Stephen A. Smith, and completely disagreeing. But never. I, I, what's a successful season? Go to a bowl game. Got it. Yes, tracking. Okay. Next question. We're kind of hitting on that. Beyond just winning games. What's the number one thing on your list if Willie Clefcorn makes a list of like what I want to see improved this year for Nebraska football? What is the number one thing on that list? 
Can I preface again? Look at you. You're, you. I thought you just said we've been prefacing too much around these parts. <laughs> I preface every time. So my, my entire livelihood is built on studying leadership and management. Yeah. And how behavior impacts how teams perform. Right. Right. On the business side, now on the sports side, but right. new. So, and you, it's funny because we were talking about earlier. It's like, do you tell the truth to Barrett? Like how you feel? It's like in this regard, yes. Which is. I judge success by can we show up and play a clean game from start to finish? We've lost a lot of one possession games. Right. And chalk that up to whatever you want. I chalk it up to a lack of discipline and accountability. And it's not on the player who's false starting. It's not on the, you know, the pass interference penalty. It's on the lack of discipline, I believe, in our coaches. Because when you come out and you're doing stuff like calling a timeout out of halftime at Colorado, that matters. Yeah. Dead ball penalties matter. Yeah. Delay of games out of dead ball timeouts, that stuff matters. And it's just, to me, it's just sloppiness. Right. So if you can sure that up and fix that, I think six and six takes care of itself. Right. So for me, it's like, I just want to see us play clean from start to finish. Right. Because I believe on paper, we have way more talent than Pat Fitzgerald's team at Northwestern. Right. But you know what the difference is? Those guys commit like, Zero penalty, penalty like they, they lead the they nation every like, year in fewest like penalties. Point seven penalties a game, right? And why is you know you have like you can chalk that up to like, come on, man, just don't get penalties. It's like, well, there's something they do Monday through Friday that creates a culture and an environment where they don't get penalties and they don't beat themselves and they don't make self-inflicted mistakes that you can control. In a world of like so many uncontrollable things, right? Control the shit you can control. Yes. And I just, I'd never bought into the, the philosophy that if like a guy false starts, maybe if he does it once or twice, it's his fault. But if you continually are 90th to 150th in turnovers and penalties, it's not the player's the fault. The hard part is like some of the, I think not all penalties or mistakes are created equal either. Like some, you know, we've, does, does, you know, uh, Brendan Hymas or whoever, insert any offense, do they hold because they're not as talented? Probably. Or does, you know, some corner pass interfere because he's guarding, you know, a, a stud wide receiver and he can't guard him? Yes, but I think what we're talking about are stuff like, you know, the whole at Colorado, coming out of halftime, off of a kickoff, delay a game. That's just, that's embarrassing if we go watch an 11-year-old football game, right? Like, continually getting false start like stuff like that that stuff's in, embarrassing if you're watching a junior lincoln southeast junior varsity play well, like we, false start in a pandemic year <laughs> right zero human beings in the stands there's nobody there starting. it's like you don't got it right right come on i mean that's something going on there so here's the thing i like i complete if completely agree with what you said and like, if someone said like, that has to be your answer too, I would feel totally fine with it. But that my, I, I went a different way. Cause I think you're right. Let me, let me just say that before I say what I say. My answer was the offense or just offensive explosiveness. And the reason I say that's the number one thing that's got to get improved upon is it's the identity of the program. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, the reality, like, when Bo Pelini was here, the identity of the program was defense. 
And when that is your calling card, that is what you are going to hang your hat on as a program, when that starts to erode and become bad, you, things are in big, big trouble. This is Frost's thing. Offense, moving the ball, putting points on the board. And the reality is, if that area can't get better, improve, and ultimately get to where it needs to be, then this is – I will guarantee you that, that the Frost era will be a major disappointment, be a major disappointment. So for me, like the offense has to start – now I'm not expecting them to go lead the – like 43 points per game, 400 yards of offense. No, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not expecting that, but like you, it has to start looking – being more explosive, start looking like, okay, this is an offense that's on the come. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that – has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Because I think what we, I'm saying we, would curtail some of – I think it would help mask, maybe not eliminate, but it would mask some of the – like right now, let's be honest, when if Nebraska gets a false start, you're like, send out the fucking punt team. Well, yeah, because it's, it's hard enough for us to get 10 yards. Now we got to get 15? It's like impossible. But all of that, it's it's impossible to talk. This, this question, in my opinion, is kind of tough because it's always some of the parts. Totally. It's never, That's the beauty it's, of football. It's never just one thing. Right. Like, and they all play off of each other. It's like, listen, if you got a, if you got a left guard that isn't talented, well, then your quarterback struggles. You get penalties. Right. You have more turnovers. I mean, it, it all plays into everything. No question. That we're talking so about. it can't all be, that's the beauty of football. It can't all be one thing, right. but. I guess that's the, the the hard part about the question is if you had to boil it down to one thing. Well, because, but, 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 I, I but, bet there's a lot of people that would say this, like special teams. Like if we just had a halfway decent special teams, then things would be totally different. And, and that's true, yeah. right? It's not it's not one or the other. But you brought up an interesting point when we were talking the other day, and I think it's absolutely true. It's like I don't know because I can't go. I haven't gone back and looked at the nuance of Oregon and the nuance of Central Florida. But what it felt like when you watched them play is that the teams weren't terribly disciplined. But you go second and 13 after first and eight, and then you hit a big banger for 35 yards because your receiver broke open down the field and Milton hit him. Right. It's like, well, we have nobody that can separate. And we in, in Adrian Martinez is X, and we can't even get a snap right. Right. So – all of this, like, what do you fix? I don't know. Pick your poison. Right. But you got to fix something. Like, it's like if you're looking at a mess, like if you walk into your kid's room and it's just a mess. Pick like, if your, you look at it all, your books. You're like, you, you got to start somewhere, right? right? Like, okay, we're going to start with the clothes. We're going to start with the toys. Right. Like, I just look at like Nebraska football has a lot of problems. Special teams, penalties, discipline, 
time management, uh, offensive explosiveness, being at red zone offense, whatever. Like, you got to pick one thing. And to me, I'm going with – the reason I chose that is because it's the identity of the program. Like, the, the, the identity of the program, unless something majorly shifts, and if it majorly shifts, like, I don't know, I wonder where – I still wonder how – like, I just have a hard time feeling like they're now going to be a defensive-oriented, run-the-ball, clock-control type of team. It's like, okay, I mean, I don't know I don't know what kind of staying power. That might be, that might be okay for a year, but I don't know. I mean, because that's the other thing. Kenny Bell was on my pod, and he basically said, like, I said, what, what's wrong with the offense? And I just don't – I think there's an identity issue. They got to they gotta figure out who they are first. Well, I mean, I think that that's absolutely true because – it's like, I don't know, we've had these conversations many, many times. It's like, I feel like when I watch Nebraska basketball, even though they're getting pulverized, like I see it. Mm-hmm. It's there. I see what they're trying to do, and if they get the people, it's going to work. Right. And I don't, do not feel that way about Nebraska football. It's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. It's a little bit all over the place. And then sometimes somebody will come in and be like, well, everything would be different if we had the guys. It's like, well, I agree with that, of course but you're going into year four. Right. So what's going to help you get the guys? And, no, and it, it, I will pref- say that, like, it seems like this year could be different. It could be. And I certainly hope that it is. Because that's what's hard about that is I agree with that, but, like, I actually felt like I saw it in the first year at times. Well, you had a dude you had Stanley. by the name of Stanley Morgan. Right. I know, but that's what's amazing is, like, it, I mean, did was seriously, like, one guy, one good Deep threat, big bodied, dependable wide receiver changed everything. The other thing is, we talked about Divine. A Zigbo is light years better than any running back Nebraska's had post Divine Zigbo. Right. So, well, you, you like, also, though, I mean, you and I have talked about this. Like, how, how big, what was the guy? Uh, when Nebraska made the run, they had Petaway and Pitchford. Yeah. And who was the Gallegos? Mm-hmm. Ray Gallegos. Ray Gallegos made a huge difference when they made the tournament because he could stand three feet behind the line. Right, and an defender had to, the couldn't step off him. So yeah. when you had Siobhan Shields and Petaway and Pitchford, it opened everything up for them. Right. And then next year, you did not have a guy like right. Gallegos, and they coaches acted accordingly for two reasons. One, you didn't have Gallegos, and two, you were on the radar. Right. Now. So, like, if you don't have to account for things. Well, that's the thing. It's like – that's the thing I always get from Bo. It's like he's like everything is just so bunched, pressing the line and the line of scrimmage and the bot. Like it's just why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I mean, what what wide receiver over the? You're worried that Cade Warner's gonna house you 85 yards on a go route? Right. No. Like you can't. I mean, it's like not Cade Warner's a fine player, but like Cade Warner or Stanley Morgan. Right. So I mean, I it's just it's interesting when you look at it all. Because I, I do think – I bet if you pulled Oscar Nation, there'd be a lot of different answers to that question. Like, number one thing you want to see improve. I bet you'd get a lot of different answers. And the beauty of the beauty and the scary thing about this question is there are no wrong answers. Because you could make a case like – if because, like, my answer could get rebuttal. Like, so you don't think they need to – like, you, if they don't tighten up their sloppiness in their, and play a clean game, it's not going to matter. I'm like, touche. But then I feel like I go to believe, like, well, dude, if they can't be explosive offensively, it's never going to matter. Right. And then one person say, well, if you're going to be the worst special teams field position team in the country every year, it's not going to matter. You're like, okay, touche. And then another person go, well, if you can't learn how to manage the game 
from a clock and play calling standpoint, it's never going to matter because you're, you're going to be in a lot of game, close games. You're probably going to lose them because you don't manage them right. You're like, touche. Like, it's a lot of stuff. When you put it like that, six and six looks pretty good. Looks that, exactly. Exactly. Be real. Just be honest with yourself. Like, look at it and be real. Okay, next question. Which player, which player are you most excited to watch this year? Oh, you want me to go first? You want to? Go? You you go first on this one. I'm gonna grab. A quarter, I went. I'm gonna grab a Coors Light. Okay, go grab a Coors Light. Willie's gonna put his microphone down and he's gonna walk over to our step. Is our as honestly like I don't think people understand. Like I'm looking outside. Like both of our wives are in the pool with our children right now. So like that's what's happening right now. Okay, my answer. I could go fun and be like, I want to see. I want to see Gabe Irvin do his thing. You know, like. But I'm gonna go the lame route and I'm going to go Adrian Martinez. And I feel like what I'm about to say can get easily like debunked for lack of a better term. But I'm, but it, it kind of, it's in, there's a theme with my answers. It goes back to what I just said. Upon arrival beyond just offensive scoring points, Scott Frost and even Mario Verdusco, you could throw in there, but really Scott Frost, one of the things he was known for was quarterback guru, identifying quarterback talent, grooming quarterback talent, developing elite quarterback play. Marcus Mariota, Vernon Adams, Mackenzie Milton. like He was known for that. Again, the identity of the program is the offense. The most important position in all of football and with every offense is the quarterback. So for me, it's Adrian Martinez. Now, the easy rebuttal to that is you could build a case where all the it's what's surrounded Adrian Martinez that has failed more so than Adrian Martinez himself. And yeah, that's true to a certain extent, but ultimately, I, all, I think we'd all agree that the Martinez we saw in that first year when he ultimately became a Heisman candidate, I don't think I've really seen that guy again. And I think it's an interesting year I think there's a big year into like Verdusco and Frost and Lubick and their coaching of like, I think Martinez has the, the physical tools. Can they coach him up to be consistently good week to week? I'm fascinated by that because of, again, the identity of the program and the importance of the position. You and I are both kind of biased towards quarterbacks. Yeah. So – one of the things I think is a wild card in this deal, and it's to your point and what you want to see improve is, well, how, who are you going to surround him with? Because his freshman year, like there's a reason why going into his sophomore year, people are like, Frost was like, would you really want him? Right. Right? Over this, over the guy that we got? Right? right. It's like Burrow over Martinez? Right. Like in hindsight, it sounds ridiculous. But at the time, on paper, wasn't that ridiculous. Willie, Willie Vegas doesn't make – it wasn't a room full of Husker fans that put him in the top five or whatever as a Heisman odds. They, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a bunch of people sitting around at Brewskies or Berries talking up this guy. This was like, he, he was legit. Right. Well, and it's not like, people want to be altruistic in this way. But if I ask you the question, hey, instead of playing on uh, starting quarterback at Lincoln Southeast, yep, you go play at, East, 
And I have no idea. Lincoln East. And I have no idea how they were that year. But I they know that they didn't. They were better than the guys I know that they didn't me. have Bo Rude and they didn't have Alex Gordon. They didn't and have Brandon Ragoni. They didn't have Bear Rude. They didn't have Dane Todd. On and on and on. Have, yeah. Right. Like, so, like, what's your legacy as a quarterback? Yeah, totally different. Am I an all-state quarterback? Probably not. No. I mean. No. It takes, it takes a certain, like, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson type talent to be able to overcome deficiencies. Michael Vick. Yeah. Those types of people. Adrian Martinez is not that. Right. But you and I were talking in the pool. It's like. What do you think Adrian Martinez would have done at Bama last year? I mean, nine and three at worst. Right. And who knows? So. And then he flipped that. Like, would would Mac Jones have come, or, have come to Nebraska and been Mac Jones? Like, no. No. Would he be at New England? I don't think so. He might not have even got drafted. Right. So everything's circumstantial. And so there's a lot of things to be hopeful for in the terms of Adrian Martinez, because if you surround him with some explosiveness, you got somebody who can run the ball, you got a line that's been cohesive, right? Maybe he's fully capable. Right. And some of the parts argument again. It's like, it's easy to look at him and be like, well, God, he needs to turn, he needs to stop at the turnovers. Right. And he needs to clean things up. It's like, well, how much easier is that if you got somebody who can run the ball and you got wide receivers that can break open as opposed to being locked down? Totally. Everything or, changes. Or you have a you your special teams doesn't give you horrendous field position every time you take the field. Let's be honest. When you take the field at the forty five or the forty, as opposed to inside your own twenty or you know you're like inside your own ten, frequently things change. Like. Right. How you're taking the field, the confidence you're taking in which the field, like all that stuff changes. So, like, I do feel like Adrian Martinez has had to pay for the sins of a lot of issues around Nebraska football. Now, but I also think people are listening. Like, I think both of you are both we're both agreement that like we don't think Adrian Martinez is you know the Patrick. We don't think he's the greatest thing in the world, but I think he's better than what his record would indicate. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. Okay, and it's, so and it's easy to go. It's easy, but it's also very practical to go to him as the answer. Right. Because as we sat on the beach a couple of days ago and we're like, "All right, throw Tom Brady and throw Patrick Mahomes out. What are the top three quarterbacks you're taking in the NFL?" And it was like we struggled. To think. To, we struggled to get to number three. Right. And it's well, like, when you get to three, it gets real really flat. debatable. Like it gets really like you think that guy's better than that guy, or really it's that guy. Like right. And that and so, is your, that's the engine that's of your car. Right. Right. It's like, well, we can't go fast if we don't have an engine. Well, okay, so then what, what's, your, what's your answer? My answer is a hedge, which is like, I, I, I'll say the entire defense. Okay. Simply because I'll answer the question directly, which is I think it's Cam Taylor-Britt. He's, he's nice. Though. Because, you know. He's the best player on the team. Frost well, even said that in the Big Red Blitz Tour to 40 people. In I think so. Well, first of all, the, the defense as a whole is special and unique in the sense that with the extra year and the cohesion that they have and the fact that, like, the offense was supposed to be the focal point and now it's like the defense might be the staple of who we are. They have the potential to be super, super good. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see how they play as a unit. Here's the thing that concerns me, though, with that. I'm actually like I, I've been really impressed with how Chenander's built this group up into imp improving every year. Like I see it, you know, you say like I see it on that side of the ball. Like I see it on that side of the ball. 
I think there's a ceiling to how good this defense can be because they don't have an elite individual pass rusher. Like when, and, and I think there's a domino effect into when they don't have an elite pass rusher, that impacts their ability to get turnovers, which I think all those things lend itself into like, well, how dominant of a defense can you be? Now you're, now you're trying to get me riled up because Uh-oh. I've said for many, many years, it's like you don't even need a Randy Gregory that's going to sack the quarterback. But you got to have somebody that's going to make the quarterback uncomfortable. Right. Right. Like, I feel like the, what was it, the night game a few years ago, like, certainly you, and I believe I could have started at quarterback at Ohio State and won that game because we had no prayer. And it's been like that for a long, long time. So, you talking about, I think it was Riley's, uh, is that what you're talking about? The 2017 when the, game? When he was on the way out and Ohio State came in and yeah, just like. Right. They, no, they scored on every, Willie, they scored on every possession. Well, like. You, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying like, you know, like, people say like, man, it feels like they scored every. No, they scored points on every possession except the last one where they ran the clock out. Well, and I'm not trying to be facetious or like. They scored every possession. You could have quarterbacked Ohio State to win that night, not even knowing their offense. <laughs> My favorite play on that game, by the way, real quick. JT Barrett in, is like at the 10-yard line. He did a rollout. And he just rolled out, and the defense, the, the linebackers in the corners never, like, as he rolled out, like, at some point you have a choice to make. Like, you got to go, like, tackle JT Barrett, or he's just, like, he rolled out, and everybody kept retreating until they were in the back of the end zone, and he just walked in the end zone. Right. Well, and there's a similar, <laughs> there's a similar play in the second quarter where he's, like, he rolled out, and it was, like, a simple drag route that took 15 seconds. And then he, like, <laughs> dumped it off. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and at, at that point, I actually, it's funny. We have a client up in Minnesota, and he's like, I stopped coming to Nebraska games because of that night. And I was bad. He's like, I'm not going to travel and come and support bad. this team when that's the product that we put on the field. Right, right. So the Yako, by the way. Well, yeah, and it was just, I mean, that was brutal. Yeah. That was brutal. But um, So the entire defense, though. But I guess, do, do you but, see but, what I'm but, saying, though? That, like, I think there's a ceiling, though, when you can't make the opposing quarterback com- uh, like uncomfortable at all, ye- so the year, but the year after we lost, what was it like? With the year after, uh, maybe it was 2010, 11 time frame. Yep. We didn't necessarily have an elite pass rusher, but we had our back seven was locked down. Like we still survived that year. I think put it this way: I think that we're going to be better on the line, and we're going to be better as a unit than we've been in the last decade. Right. So that's encouraging. What I like, though, about Cam Taylor-Britt is that it's one of my embarrassing claims to fame is that I was on a – I got racked on Jim Rome show years and years ago when we went out to watch USC play Nebraska, right? So, like, at the time, I was working at a job that allowed me to call into Jim Rome step and out sit, and on, call Rome. sit on hold for, like, 45 minutes. Right. But my point then was, like, I think Josh Mitchell's a moron for the confidence that he has, but I like the fact that at least somebody has confidence or fake confidence. Right. I think Cam Taylor Britt has real confidence. And it's real. And it's real. And, it's and, he's a, and he's a dude. Yeah. And I don't think he's alone. I think that the ships rise with that tide. Yeah. And like, can we hold teams to 24 points a game? I think, I think so. I think so. So if you can do that. I'm excited, man. I think, can- I think Reimer's going to get better. I think Henrich is coming. I like uh, I like a, I like a lot of the dudes on the line, um, and then the secondaries fan like really taking big strides. Should be I, great. They've also been like the by well, that's not the right word. They've also been the victim of their own stupidity and how they tackle and of bad calls. Both of those things are true. And if you clean that up, like that matters too. And. 
Bose talked about this, which is fascinating, being a defender, being a linebacker. Like when you know your your you when you know your offense is giving you no help, right? When you know your margin for error is zero. Like Bo talked about this in the recap pod. We talked about that Illinois, that swing pass. First play of the game, the swing pass, Luke McCaffrey turnover. He goes, you know how demoralizing is as a defense when like you then got to, the game just started. First play, you then got to put your helmet on and be like, fuck. We got to go out there and now they have the ball at like the nine yard line. And that's kind of par for the course, you know, like, so I also think like these guys have, it's one thing to dominate defensively when you have a good offense and you have a good special teams and you you know like I watched the 94 national title game Osborne's first championship against Miami Darren Erstad was penning Miami inside like the 15 the whole game right and that allows for those guys to go out there and and play with some swag and some confidence and so I also think like the defense has actually performed at a decent level with zero help in a in the offense, the special teams, the field position, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so you're going the entire defense. I'm going Martinez. I feel lame. Like, the other guy I would have put was Samari Torre. I'm excited to watch him play. Like, Or you could insert any of the new – like, I want to see Omar Manning if he can finally – I was burned by him, though, a year ago to me. I'm like, until he proves it, like, I don't want to chug any more Kool-Aid on him. Well, I would add, if you were to say, who, who's second? I would add Cam Jurgens. Yeah. Because – to me, and then maybe this is unfair, maybe it's not. Like he's kind of a microcosm to me of the Frost era, in the sense that here's a guy that we think is talented. We're going to give him shot, but because <laughs> I mean he is. I mean there's there's no dispute. No, I'm, I'm already laughing because it's it's a good it's a great analogy. There's no disputing it, but it's like okay. <laughs> I mean, if I'm a quarterback and I got and I and, and I got oh, I, I got to make I got to make plays. And my center can't snap me the ball on a consistent basis. And it's like, well, why don't you, to me, where I come from, it's like, there's got to be somebody. If, if, you don't have, if you don't have somebody who can come in and snap the ball in a regular routine fashion, then how in the world is Cam Jurgen supposed to get better? Because he has nothing to be afraid of. And obviously the leash is like, you know, seven mile beach long out right. here in Naples right. for Cam Jurgens, which is fine. Development is part of the game, but good God, man, if you can't snap the ball, well, that's and your good. whole position is snap the ball, right? Then that says to me more about Scott Frost than it does about Cam Jurgens. Well, I just think like we've talked about it like with Martinez. Like, I just could imagine like think about all the things he has to worry about, and then on top of that. Every time he the snap comes, it's like, where the hell is this ball going to go? Right. And it's not like he I just mean, has to make a throw. He has to make he has to make a read. Of, like, yeah, I mean, let alone getting pulverized by seven first, Young? seven first round draft picks for Ohio State. It's like <laughs> it's like the the monsters out there coming after the ball. But no, Jergens Jergens would be an interesting guy to watch. Like if he because because I do feel like I do see it. Like you'll see highlights of him and stuff like I I've no doubt like after the snap dude's a good player but like I've no doubt that he is a good player but but, snap, but it's like who chooses the center as your guy to watch Dave Remington like <laughs> who's another offensive Jeff lineman? Saturday <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeff Saturday is a Saturday. huge fan of you and this podcast. Let's see how, uh, yeah. Let's see how Cam Jurgens does this year. <laughs> or, I mean, can somebody kick a touchback consistently? Maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, how hard is it to find a kicker that can kick it in the end zone? Apparently, really hard. From the 35. I felt like in high school, like, our kicker kicked a touchback every time. I feel like I could go out and train and kick a touchback. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it must be harder than we think it is because it's like Nebraska's gotten house called on kickoff returns like five times in the Frost era. Like, it's hard to do in Tecmo Bowl and Madden. That's one of those things that we're like, I just, I, going back to like, I don't know the internal workings of how things like happen within a locker room or recruiting, but how you could go an entire season and not have a kicker. It's just hard to do. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, Alex Henry basically, like, saved our season for yes. two years. Right. Well, what's so, for so long, Nebraska was like, kicker you. For two decades. For two decades, it's like they had the best field goal kicker in the country, or one of the best. Right. It's like, we got Adam Benetieri. I mean, seriously. From Brett Maher to Alex Henry to, to well, Drew Brown, Brown to Chris Brown to, like, it's we ridiculous. probably took that for granted for totally. how great we were, but like, I hesitate to even go to the next. I mean, are we are we seriously going to tackle this one? It's like five Coors Lights deep, and we haven't even had lunch. Nah. Are we ruff- tackling this? I suppose you ruffle some feathers. I, apparently. <sighs> okay, so the origin of this question came from one of our buddies in Vegas a month ago, who posed the question to us all drinking by a pool. So I guess there's something about like the beers and pool that lead to this, but like his premise was that the fan base has, how do you say it's hurt the program for 20 years for the last two decades, certainly held us back or held them back. However you want to phrase it, hurt, held them back, whatever. And this isn't a new topic, right? Like, like I've had people email me this and all this stuff. Like, but I think like how, in your opinion, have the fans impacted the program the past two decades? I told you about Homeboy 2 rose up. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Early on. With the, like, unrealistic expectations aren't always good. No. Right? Like, But you know. zero expectations is also bad. Sure. And not care. See, that's my problem. Like, when I, when I immediately entertain this question, I've told you this. Like, I immediately go to, like, the, the just super simplistic view of it of, like, okay, well, then what's the alternative? If people want to say the fan base is is killing the program and hurt the program. Well, okay, well then what's the alternative? No fans, nobody caring, nobody going to the games like well you 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 lived and breathed Kansas basketball. You saw right, what happened like, there down in Lawrence. I mean, it's right. it's non-existent. Like Kansas football, there's zero people there and no one cares. So I guess the other thing I think sometimes it's a it's a it's a it's a thought that isn't even real to them be like, "Yeah, man, no one should go to the games." I'm like you ever, been to, you ever been to a game with zero fans and been to a game where, like, no one cares? That's not, like, I've always said that program of, a program's death penalty is apathy. And so I, that's where, like, if you have to pin me down to, the, to answer this question, I ref, I, there's a part of me that just refuses to say that the fan base has been bad for the program. I just cannot get behind that. Because again, the alternate then then that would insinuate the that the alternative would have somehow been better in some way, and I just that's just absurd to me. But 
I gave this analogy, and I act like I like I know what this like. Like I was like a chemistry major. I'm like, if we look <laughs> at this like a science experiment, like I've ever done anything in any sort of laboratory setting at all. From my understanding of science and lab professors, they look at when they're when they're doing some sort of experiment. They they're looking at different variables and ingredients into any said given experiment. If you look at this from a science experiment standpoint, the one constant in the equation has been the fans. Literally, we've had, it's a different conference, different coaches, different athletic directors, different administrators, different position coaches, different coordinators, different systems, 4-3, 3-4, West Coast, options, spread, up-tempo, well, like they, they've run and had everything imaginable you could in terms of altering the variables. The one constant has been the fans. And it's been 20 years of not sufficient to what people want or what you would – not hanging banners. So then you would go, okay, well, you – I think in, from a science standpoint, you go, well, what's that factor? What, what do – that factor needs to change. And in that regard, I'm like, okay, I can get behind that a little bit. I can get behind that. Well, everything you, you just laid out, it's a, it's a good metaphor. And I think with the, hard, the hard part about those types of arguments like, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, can you give tangible examples right. to what you mean? And for me, it's like I don't want to accept it fully that it's the, the fans' fault. But I also don't want to be like, that's ridiculous. Because I think they do carry some responsibility with it in the, in the way of expectations yes. and how that matters. So, like, the obvious example is you can go back to 9-3 and three Frank Solich. And 9-3 and three was not good enough. So we made a wholesale change. We basically said everything that has made Nebraska, Nebraska is now <laughs> gone. Right. Which I would argue that one of the biggest things that nobody talks about there is that, like, we had an inherent farm club of offensive linemen. Right. Because everybody in the state of Nebraska ran option. Everybody. I ran option, Leon's Midget Football in Lincoln, Nebraska. In, like, third grade, we were running the option. Right. So that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It, one, it's a hard, when ran to perfection, which it was, right. it's hard to stop. And two, you now lost an inherent advantage because what everybody wants to point to is like, well, recruiting is hard at Nebraska. Well, it's a hell of a lot harder if you can't find a line. Right. So where, where did that come from? Certainly expectation. Yes. And what was that driven by? The fans. The fans. Right? So that's totally the, agree. That's the obvious example. The more untalked about example is like as Polini and things evolved and it just kept growing and growing. Right. Was like the one that I always point to is a UCLA game. Right. I wish I'd have been in the stadium for this. I was at a wedding. So we game. played UCLA at home. I can't remember 2013, what 2013. 2013 ish. Yeah. And we're kicking their ass. It's 21 to 3, and UCLA is driving late. And I can't remember who the player was. I want to say it was Avery Moss, but I, my timeline could be totally off. Missed a sure sack on Brett Hundley. Mm -hmm. Hundley gets out of it, completes a pass, gets a first down on a third down play, third and seven ish. And then they go in to score, and it's 21 10. And the mood and the energy in that stadium, game over. It was game over. And Nebraska's ahead. We're ahead by 11 points. Right. 
And when we went out at the parking lot, you know what? I I pulled up Bovada.com and I was like, You hammered I'm the housing Bruins. UCLA. Right. Because it was <laughs> it was so palpable. Like everybody just quit. Do you remember the second half line? Oh, they kicked our ass. It was like three and a half points or something. Okay, like yeah. Because they ended up winning by like they won by like twenty they came, some odd point. Like, I don't know what the final score is. All I know is that like I didn't go to Taco Inn that night. Like I went to Las Margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> like, you went to Misty's it was and like, not, not Taco Inn? It wasn't hey, a Taco Inn Hey, night. he's like, Amy and I went to Misty's last night, got the prime rib, <laughs> courtesy of Brett Hundley. <laughs> no, courtesy of the fans. Courtesy, oh, courtesy of our apathetic, unrealistic fans uh, who were sitting by me, like, sobbing. And I was like, I'm, this is really good prime uh, rib. But, but so, I mean, those are, you know, somewhat incoherent and simple answers. But I also like to couple with the fact that, like, I was a huge Cubs fan. Yeah. And 2008, 2009, Cubs made the, the playoffs by, like, they had good teams. But it was almost like they got swept out of both series. It was like, man, this is tough to be this emotionally involved. And then after that, the next few years, they kind of, like, gave up. Right. It's like, I can't put this much emotion into it. I still care because I'm attached to it. But then when they brought in Theo Epstein – it was almost like we're not going to let the Tribune in Chicago just coast on the fact that we sell out every game. Right. So I always think it's a curious hypothetical sure. to be like, what if in 2021 you go to a Nebraska and there's 51,000 people there? Is that positive or negative? I don't know. Because right. to your point, it's like, what's the, what's the alternative? Like, I take the extreme alternative. Not enough. Well, the yeah. extreme alternative. But like – does that serve as like a smack you in the mouth catalyst to be like, we're not always going to sell out these games because right. Like 90,000 in Lincoln might become 40,000 in Lincoln. Just like a thousand became 40 in Kearney. Yeah. That's not and, out of the scheme of things. See, but here's what's weird about that though is like, cause I think we're getting to is like the pressure thing of like the pressure element of it. And if you're a player, Right, like, because I do think there's a pressure element that has been. Kenny Bell said for whatever reason. Yeah, like there's been. Yeah, we was talking about like we. There were some games we won, and it felt like we lost because it didn't look how people wanted it to look, you know. And like upon hindsight, like I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and argue that Bo Pelini caught a totally raw deal, and there weren't elements of Bo that were problematic and all those things. Like I think there were. But I think it is funny now to look back on Bo and think about all the things that we all used to bitch and complain about. And the one thing you got to give the dude played for three, con he went to three conference championship games and won nine games every year. And guess what? We all thought, like, this guy, we all were ready to pack that guy's bags from the moment he didn't, it didn't look how everyone wanted it to look, you know? Yeah. But I just think there is a, there is a pressure element to this program that is interesting because there's almost like Dirk always Chatlin always says this like it's like there's something in the water down at Memorial Stadium that like it's weird how like we talk about all the names and the faces can change but it's like they all go down there and they make the same mistakes and the same things happen they fumble a lot they turn the ball over a lot they lose big game whatever it is you know and you wonder if there's something with the pressure element like you you made an analogy of like if you're a three on a scale of one to ten is it unrealistic? It's unrealistic to think you're going to be a nine. But I think some portions of the fan base expect that. And it's like, well, if you are a three, 
Imagine how much, how frustrating and debilitating it's going to be in your pursuit of getting to a four and a five when people are like, why the hell aren't you a nine? Right. And that's what it feels like at times. Well, I think that that's absolutely true. And I think that the thing about it is it's like we, so let's, I have no doubt that the inherent advantages of Nebraska and the facilities and the tradition and the, what we've been historically in college football can lend itself to like breaking out and becoming Alabama the way that they went through their struggle and now have became Alabama. Right. A lot of that's going to have to do with coaching. I don't know if Scott Frost breaks through or not. Maybe I hope so. Right. But, but the thing about it is, is like, it takes a different way of thinking. And that's where in this, in this topic, in this conversation, I get frustrated with the fans because I personally believe it's a total mistake to look backwards instead of forwards. And so we use the analogy of uh, West Virginia football. West Virginia football, pre-internet age, was like, how in the world would you know anything about West Virginia football? Right. And if you went to play football at West Virginia and you were a parent or a sibling or a friend of somebody who played there, how would you watch them play? You had to be You had to at go the there. You had to go to Morgantown. You, you had, had like, to go. Right. And, like, Nebraska's inherent advantage through the years was, like, we were one of those marquee schools that you could watch people play on TV when you right. weren't there. And now it's like, I could watch, I don't know, Japanese badminton. You can watch anything. On the internet right. in, a, in a second. Like every single soccer game, my son's big into soccer. Like, I can watch legitimately every single soccer game right. on my phone. Right. So you can't keep thinking that like, it's going to go back to 97. We got to revert, we got to move forward and progress into what we think we can be and set the emotion and the set point there. And I know one thing is true it's not what got us to where we were. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at White Castle Roofing. And I've owned two homes in my life one in Omaha and now one in Lincoln. And both times, when I had some damage to my roof, White Castle Roofing was who I trusted. With the job. I had some hail damage to my roof in Omaha. White Castle took care of that and did a great job. And then I had a leak with my skylight in Lincoln. My guy Ben from White Castle was able to come over, take a look at things, get the pieces needed to fix it, communicated every step, and boom, the crew was over and knocked it out quickly. Done and done. The crew was amazing, man. They're fast, they're efficient, they were awesome. Cleanup was a top priority, and most importantly, they did a fantastic job. You can't trust just anyone with your roof. And trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. Check them out online, whitecastleroofing.com. That's whitecastleroofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust, proven by time. You know what's funny? I was, were, you've read the book Green Lights, Hundred percent by Matthew McConaughey. Best and books of all time. It's a great book. I'm three fourths of the way through it, and there was a quote in the book. I hope I'm getting it right. It's like in this bag. I could pull it out here, but it, it was basically he had a quote after I think he went to the Amazon. Remember the he yeah. went to the Amazon and had his thing because like, of a dream. He because followed of his, his dream. intuition. Yes, but he the quote was like sometimes you got to forget who you are to find out who you are. And there could be a little bit of that with Nebraska football that would help, you know? I think so. And it's not I, wholesale. I don't I mean, because I, because the Harper, I gave you this point the other day too. Like one of the biggest things that I found out that was 
like doing big red overreaction, the, the sixteen twenty of the zone call in show was eye opening in the sense of like wow, like on just how the 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 good and the bad, the fervent fan base of like we. If we were hosting, if me and you were hosting Big Overreaction, you could have full phone lines for forever. Like, seemingly, you could have, like, I mean, sometimes I remember jokingly, I used to tell somebody, like, I wonder if you truly didn't stop how long you could go. It'd probably play in the next Saturday. You could, you could just keep going. Like, but finally, after like three hours, you're just like, listen, we got to stop, you know? And that was one of the first, I thought I understood the Nebraska football, like, you know, being a Nebraska native, but like, that. Doing that show was eye-opening and like, wow, man, this is like, this is crazy, you know? And what was interesting is I'm not so sure that the, that the, the losses, the losses always got more calls than the wins. Always. Sure. And that's human nature. And that's human nature, right? You're more apt to complain than you are. Like when you're celebrating, you're not going to like call, right? But I also just don't know if that's like a, a, a good or a bad thing, you know? Like, I think I think it's good to have, because like I said, I'm not going to deviate off my initial point of like, I think apathy, I think the inability to have, like, I mean, I'm sorry, like uh, Kansas football call-in show, you're going to get zero calls, right? <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. But there gets to a point where, you know, you just wonder what the, what the effects are, what the domino effect of that is. And it certainly feels because, you know, I know Barrett's even said it. You've heard people say it. Like, there, there are times there's a here-we-go-again mentality when something bad happens in a game. And I think some of that exists amongst the players. But to your point with that UCLA game, it certainly it exists amongst the fans. And, like, just the domino effect of that is, you know, just – I don't know. There's just like a – there's a pressure cooker element to this – and fishbowl element to this place that I think attracts people because you want to play where people care and fans are there, but it also can burn people alive because they're like, holy crap. Right. Well, I mean, you you gave this story that I've heard you say many times, which is like, you know, after BYU hits that mail that Hail Mary, it's like callers were calling in and be like, well, yeah. Riley's toast. It's like, clearly right. I thought season. it wasn't going to work, and now it's not going to work. And it's like, well, it's one game, dude. It's one game. And like, if we manage the clock just a little bit better, we right. win that game. So like, if you're, and I don't know how much players internalize that. I don't know. Don't. I think they have to feel, I, I don't know an, how they don't I think it's feel an energy. That. And I'm very like, well, that's the thing too. I'm a big believer in that. Like if I think, I think there's no way those players don't feel on some they may not have to consume 1620 the zames call 1620 the zones call in show or consume dirk chatlin's column after the game right. or whatever but they feel it well it's like you know i mean you're a player and you you were talking earlier about losing to bucknell it's like yeah well if you walk into ferguson hall or hamilton hall at nebraska and you just lost on a hail mary to byu the looks and the energy that you get are totally different than if you win that game right so everything's a sum of parts. And it so all plays together. It all works in unison, and it's like, are they the reason? Are the fans? The are reason? they the reason? No. no. But if they do, played, they play a part. Yeah. Yes, I, I think I think they're. I, I'd agree with that. But at the same, but like I do think what I I'm still not going to move off my initial point. I think you're with me on it. That like when you when you when you pit it against the alternative, no one's going to choose the alternative. But that doesn't necessarily. 
exonerate the fan base. It's almost like you know? uh, Pete Ricketts needs to have like a statewide intervention with Nebraska right, fans. Like, guys. Be like, hey, listen. <laughs> like, if we want to get to where we're going. See, here's, here's the thing that I wish Fro- I wish Frost had a chance to do something like that initially. And instead of... Doubled down. He doubled... Like, instead of... Remember this whole comments of, like, you know, the Big Ten's going to adjust to us. You better get us now because by year two, we're going to be dangerous. All those things, like... I, I feel like he had a chance to, to throw a wet bucket of water on everybody a little bit where it's like people are going to be excited no matter what because it's Nebraska football A and B it's Scott Frost coming back to coach Nebraska football right. like I feel like he had a chance to get people to readjust how they were viewing the situation and for some and instead he just poured gasoline on it but see that's what, but see that's why like I feel super confident and okay with the fact of giving him 10 years right because Let's look at his background up to that. Yeah, he's still like, he had a reason to be arrogant and also no reason to be arrogant. Right? Like right. he had success in his career at Oregon. He certainly had success in what right. they accomplished at Central Florida. He's and he a comes coach of the in year. Like, why wouldn't I be able to pick up where I left off? And he walked into a totally different environment and circumstance and it's like right. well now I gotta eat those words. But guess what? Like how do you gain wisdom? Only through experience. That's it. So now maybe he, you know, and it's funny because now you're full circle and you're talking about how we started this podcast about the comments he had out there. And that, that to me, those two are two totally different things. Right. Like what he said about how we were going to attack the Big Ten, I think he one thought it and also was like overly confident and arrogant. Why would, but and it also, but like, why, why wouldn't, wouldn't he have been? Of course. But Everywhere he had been, he, it, he had lit people up and had success. Right. And then probably some of his mentality lended itself to why he had the success. Right. But at the same time, sometimes you got to feel it and experience it to be like, well, maybe I shouldn't say that because I got the crap kicked out of me. Right. And that's maybe why guys like Belichick, who's arguably the best head coach of all time, says nothing. Says nothing. Because it's not even out of spite. It's just out of focus and clarity. Right. It's like, I'm not going to give you anything because right. that takes away from our mission. Right. Yeah, and, and I wonder if early on he had a chance and he just didn't do it. He didn't do it. Right. But why would he know? Right. You don't know what you don't know, and he's had to learn, and I think he's learning. That's the thing is he's still just – he's still – how many different decisions do we make at age 39 and yes. 36 and you made it age 22? Right. And I'd have to imagine fast forward 20 years from now when we're 50 some, like we'd be like, man, I can't believe I used to think this and did this and this when I was 35, 38, 40, 41. That's life. That's life. It's That's how it works. There's a reason why people that are like 75 can give you really, really good lessons on life yes. versus some. Right. Because there's no greater know, teacher freshman. than just life and experience. That's only, it. Only way you learn. That's it. All right, so Father's Day, it is Father's Day. Um, we wanted to do something with with Father's Day here. And how do we want to do Okay, so we wanted to do like Father's Day or just kind of like sports memories with your dad. You want to start with that and then kind of bridge it into like now that we got youngsters out there. I mean, you have a nine-year-old that plays sports, so you probably have a little bit more experience to be able to speak to that. I mean, our daughters play soccer together and that was the first time that they've played sports. So there were some interesting things with that. But like, do you have, when, I, when you think of father, your, your dad and sports, like what are a few memories that come to mind or thoughts? So maybe, maybe we do it two ways. Uh, Husker, Husker memory with your dad, which okay. is, you got a unique lens on that because your dad played for the Huskers. And yes. then just overarching. 
like sports in general. Right. Okay. Well, I think the first, the first, obviously have like those, you know, it's funny. You just have like those, those fuzzy memories when you're really little. Like I remember going to go, going to Nebraska football games with my dad. I just remember that. Right. But I feel like the first, the first vivid memory of Husker football with my dad wasn't at the stadium, but it was when Nebraska won the 94 national title. And I remember seeing how excited he was. And him and Tom Rude and a bunch of people, they, they got out this like Bob Devaney football of like aged whiskey or scotch or something like that. And they took shots out of it to celebrate. And I think that was the first time I'm like, oh, this means a, a lot to my dad as a that, young kid. How old are you then? I was 10. So in 94, I was 10. Okay. So I was 12. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's kind of a big difference. Yeah. 10, 10 12. to 12 is a big difference. But I remember that that being like eye-opening in from a Husker football standpoint. Like I cared about it. And I knew my dad cared about it, but I guess I didn't realize. I've just never, the way my dad was acting that night. Now he's probably crocked and I didn't know what that was. I was like, <laughs> you had a couple of Mountain Dews, dad? Or what do you got over there? Like, I don't know what I, what I thought was going on, but like, it was probably the first time I ever saw him act like that. You know, like that, like he let himself go was, I've just never, he was so excited. It was, it was just joy, a different level of joy I've seen him have. And that was like, that, like, I'll never forget. I mean, obviously like here, I'm like, I'll never forget that. It's one of my first memories of that game is just that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you said that. Cause like, I was going to give a totally different answer. Maybe like I'll screw give, it up. No, no, well, no, no. We got multiple answers. Well, no, I think that it's, what's interesting is that the way that you, it's funny how other people's stories impact like your memory. Right. Because two things, one, it's funny how the landscape of media has changed everything. It used to be, and it still is in Nebraska where like Husker football games bring things together, but it used to bring the country together. Mm -hmm. Like when Nebraska played Oklahoma, yeah. Like 1987 ish time frame. I remember being in my aunt and uncle's basement and be like, Holloway, Holloway, fumble the ball away. And right. Like, and that was, you know, Holloway was Oklahoma's quarterback and like they taught me to do that. And that's like my first vague memory. But it was obvious at that time that like you were being indoctrined into Husker football the same way somebody else might be indoctrined into Catholicism. Yeah. Like it's no different. Right. Like, this is the way we do things here at right. the this Clutch Corner household. We, yeah, right. Like, this is it. This is what we care about. Right. But the memory, the Husker memory that comes back to my mind is we, we drove down to Lawrence, Kansas. I was nine, so I was Jackson's age, my son. Yep. And they played in Lawrence. And what I didn't fully respect thinking about the fans at the time was how well Nebraska fans traveled. Like, it was, it might have well been a Husker home game, especially at that time, in that oh, time yeah. frame. But what happened in that game was uh, Derek Brown mm -hmm. got poked in the eye, I believe, and Calvin Jones stepped in early, early in the game. And Calvin Jones ends up running for 294, almost like 300 yards. And what was weird about it was that, and I might botch this because your memory is never as good as you think it is, but his step-parents, I believe they adopted him. And okay. that might be wrong, but they, his parents or step-parents were in front of us. Okay. And they were going mad. Right. Out of their mind. Because he ran, like, he had a career day. Right. 
And it was so cool not only to be a part of that, but like to watch their reaction. Interesting. There you go. Right. Yeah, that's a- and I remember my dad like almost like he was smart. He's a smart dude, but like smart enough to capture him like teach teaching moment. Like, right. Like they're so this. proud. Like this is not normal. Right. Like the, the day he's having on the field and the fact that you're getting to experience this, like pay right. attention. Right. And so that always stuck. Wow. That's a good one. The big one. Calvin Jones, career and day. And seeing 1991. His right. That's a I good think. one. Right. right. That's interesting that like, yeah, because that's a, that's a memory with your dad, but it almost has to do with another fam, another We went family. down there with his best friend. Right. So it'd be like me and you and yeah. Jackson going down. Right. Right. To a, a right. Husker game. And at the time, like, you know, but you don't know. Right. And so when you experience it, it's like, well, that was different. Yeah. And at the time when you're nine, it's like, well, you just come home and you play Mario Kart and you, you move on to the next eat thing. Pizza rolls and gushers. But and at 39, it, it has way more significance. That's cool. That's a, I've never heard that story. Yeah. That's, that's a, a cool. That's a, that's a good one. I I wrote down. Uh, it, weird, oddly enough, I went to. I mean, obviously, we went to Southeast. But I think one of the memories I have of my dad is when Northeast in the mid '90s won three state championship games or two state titles. Yeah, right? They, that, they, they were could, legit. They man. could play. They were really good. And I used to love. My dad would take me to all of almost all of Northeast home games. It'd be me, my me, my dad, and my brother went to like almost every game, and just like those things impact a kid more than you think they do like it wasn't like it wasn't like he was having these the moments were like son this is what blah 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 like was like that but just like being with him experiencing and watching basketball and kind of like what you absorb through that like I just remember going to northeast basketball games with him and it was I loved it like I absolutely loved it what's funny about that is that we were probably in the same spot at the same time Oh yeah, because my my grandpa who taught at Wesleyan, and then was like a stone's throw from Northeast at mm-hmm. that time, we'd go over and spend the weekends. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's like let's go watch these guys. Yeah, you knew some like these guys are good, man. Well, like, this God, is like, I mean, I mean you like three old in a row. Mason and and Mike Hahn, right? And you know T Mason. Yeah. I mean, all those guys they Hel- could play. B J Helmstetter and all the like. Yeah, they were like, right. they were awesome. Well, my second cousin played for them, who yeah. was uh, way on the bench, who got in because they always would smoke right. people. But like, you're you're right though, because the energy of that it was like you didn't need to really teach a lesson. It's like you felt the lesson. Right. It's just being with them and experiencing that, and like it was great, and just the 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 conversations to and from the game and all that stuff, like. You know, that stuff yeah. sticks. Yeah. That stuff sticks. Yeah. What, what is it? Like, the other thing I wrote down, and this is like the, you know, because ultimately you just want your dad to be there and care, right? Just be there and care. No doubt. Now, sometimes I can go too far, right? But <laughs> I should be there and, and be there sh- and care, shut but the like, fuck up. yeah, like, <laughs> like, be there, care, but not too much, whatever. But like, it was amazing that so we used to have a, you know one of those little tiny cameras, and my mom would videotape all my games. By the way, that tiny camera was expensive back expensive in the day. Expensive back in the day, that was a big buy, right? And the amount of times games would look like the Blair Witch Project because my mom would get distracted <laughs> and you'd get the ceiling and not the game or whatever. But she would record all our games. I'm talking like seven. I could take you to my house, and if you wanted to watch a seventh grade basketball game of mine, we got it all. 
in fact, if you wanted to go to my house and have, if you wanted to know what I shot from three, my all of eighth grade, my dad could pull that up. Handwritten in a, in a, in like a full, uh, like this whole folder. It's like a, it's a, a ledger. A ledger. Like whole, so my dad would watch with me. We'd, I'd play in a game. We'd come home. We'd go in the basement. We'd hook, remember you had to hook it up, the, you know, ketchup, <laughs> mustard, mayonnaise thing into the, you know, into your gigantic base TV, whatever, right? And then we'd watch the game and he would stat. He would keep the stat of the whole game. And then he would go over it with me. Be like, all right, so you were 8 of 13 from the floor. You were 5 for 5 from the free throw line. You had six rebounds, but you had five turnovers. And, like, and, you know, just, like, you know, you go through life and you realize, like, oh, not everybody's dad is there. Right. And not everybody's dad cares like that. And not only was he like there, he he cared, and that like th- some of my favorite like, and of course it was fun when you played well, but like going in the basement and watching the game, and he would, I could like, it was this weird piece of paper. He would have stats, he would chart it all, and then he would you know he would go through the stat sheet, and and like that was cool. And you you well you loved playing, yeah. Right. Yeah, like I mean, it was like I love. There's nothing I love more in the world than basketball. Right. And then it was cool then to like to experience basketball on a statistical level with my dad. You know, it's it's super interesting because like my examples, I mean, simple from or similar from the fact that like it's loving perspective, but different from like what you're talking about, which is so when I I grew up playing a ton of soccer, right, and played on a couple of select teams and. Really, really enjoyed, and some of my best friends in my life came from playing soccer. But in Nebraska, you play baseball or soccer because they're in the same season. And it's not like that throughout most of the yeah, states. Right. And so, in that scenario, is like I played all this money. My parents were the, my biggest advocates, and you know, followed us around and spent the money, went to hotels and all this stuff. And, and the only baseball I played was like Babe Ruth and Little Chiefs. But my dad played a lot of soft, like fast pitch softball. So I knew how to play and I was good enough. And at the time, I don't know if I was, maybe I was scared. Maybe I was burnt out. Maybe I didn't, I wanted to play with my friends more than other friends who went right. to Lincoln High instead of Southeast. But the, my decision was like, on the day of tryouts, I decided I'm going to play baseball instead of soccer. And... I remember going going home and telling my parents that. Right. And being like somewhat self-aware right. as a ninth grader and somewhat like scared and being like, listen, I chose this. Right. And what always stuck with me is that like both of their responses, but my dad in particular, because I was scared to death of how he was going to respond. Right. Was like, all right, you got to do what you, you got to do what you want to do. Right. And that's important. Right. But at the same time, years later, over right. like a bonfire, he was like, I wanted to fucking strangle you. <laughs> like, do you know the amount of energy and time and money that right. we put into soccer, let alone the fact that you were a way better soccer player than you right. were a baseball player? Now, right. it all worked out and you, you made it all the way up. But like at the time, the way he reacted versus how he wanted to react. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
was super meaningful. Right. And I didn't necessarily learn it till way down the road. Right. But like that would have been crushing if you would have been like. Think if you'd reacted how he wanted to. What the hell are you thinking? Right. Which I'm sure. Like hell you're going to go play baseball. You need to go put that rabbit back. Right. Right. And go, go try out for soccer. Wow. Right. Which would have been a totally unemotionally intelligent thing to do. But well, but like, here's the thing. Totally too, understandable. But here's the good thing about what your dad did. Like he, uh, so many, so many dads project their own feelings, emotions, or whatever into their child, and try to and try to like persuade them, live through them, whatever. Like he had the wherewithal to be like, okay, like this is your life. Right. It's not mine. It's not mine. And just because. I've invested X, Y, and Z into this, and I think this. I think this is better for you. Like I'm not you, right? And there's a. Ba- I think that's kind of like what you're getting to is kind of the crux of balancing a parenting to a certain extent. At times, is like where do you balance guiding, forcing, telling them exactly what to do versus recognizing that they're their own individual, they're their own person. This is their life, not yours, and you let them go. Right. Well, it's funny the way he positions positions it is like. You're either going to resent me then or resent me later. Yeah. And his point was like, I'd rather you resent me later knowing that you made your own bed. Yeah. Like you can resent me for not pushing. Right. But at the end of the day, you were 15. Like you made your own decision. I mean, think about the alternative. If you would have done the other thing and done what he wanted to do and not what you wanted to do. Who knows, right? Like, maybe it works out. But, 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 but may, like, there would have been resentment. For sure. For sure. Well, it's like, I don't know what podcast it was that I was listening to recently. It was like, would you give up what you have now to live Tiger Woods' life? And the question was like, his dad basically pushed him to become yeah. what he was mm-hmm. relentlessly. Is that good or not? I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. There's not a right or wrong answer. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's like, really the, hard. Could Tiger have become Tiger without Earl Woods? No chance. No way. But but he is paid that for good? It. But he paid for it. He paid for it. And was that price worth it? Yeah, maybe. Like, dep- it depends on what way you want to look at it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I'd sure like to win multiple and make millions and like, of dollars cool and be able to, say, to yeah, cool like to say yeah, that. Right. But at the same time, like, is it at what price? At what price, you know? Peerless, um, peerless price. Peerless price. <laughs> ah, shout out to peerless price. What about, we'll wrap it up with this, though, like, because now we're dads. Um, I mean, again, I said it earlier, like, your your sons played more sports than me, or than than my kids have, excuse me, my kid has, because um, Mac is still shitting in his pants. But what, I mean... We both, both of our daughters played soccer together. Like what's been, what's been a father's day now that you are the, the, the father in this, like what, what's been a takeaway with sports with him for you? So it's, 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 there's so many ways that you can answer a question like that. Right. I think the biggest thing, like from a macro perspective is he's not me and he also is me. In, in a lot of different ways. So like right. he's, he's hyper competitive, but the way that he approaches things is totally different than how I approach things in 1990 or 1991. So like to watch him have joy and to watch him compete and do those things. I think the biggest lesson he's taught me is just like, don't project what you want him to be. Just allow him to be 
what he is. And it's super fun to watch him. Like, I'd be lying if I said that, like, the games where he excels and has, is like, in, ju- right. like, almost, like, remarkable games. It's like, right. you want to feel better about yourself right. in those moments. Like, that, like check well, that out. Hey, that's, that's my me. Son. Like, right. I did that. Like, right. I created that in a moment. Uh, a quick moment. A quick moment. Uh, but, like, it's just not true. And so you, the, the best part is just, and I, tr- I tell him this all the time, one, because I read it in an article, and two, because it's true. It's like, I don't care. Like, I just like watching you play. Yeah. So the best part about it is just being a dad. And then the other side of it is having a girl, which is, and I think you and I have talked about this before, it doesn't have anything, really anything to do with athletics. It's just like watching this from a totally different paradigm and lens of what I know through my own experience, because I'm not female. Right. It's like, Wow, this is super fun. Yeah. And like the way you act and behave and the way you internalize things is totally different from me and certainly totally different from your brother. And that's important because right. that makes me a better human to be sure. able to understand that. So you know, that's been the biggest thing. I think the coolest thing that I saw this year from a, like a specific standpoint with our daughters playing soccer was because you were one of the assistant coaches. One of our other best friends, Adam, was the head coach. You were the assistant coach. And you guys did a drill before one of the games of like practicing like, okay, it's not just about scoring a goal. Like you can defend the goal. Right. And it was really cool to see maybe was not the best soccer player in the world in terms of like going and scoring a goal, but, but it was really, really cool to see her learn, understand, apply and succeed. She learned something about a sport understood like oh I can go defend the goal she then applied it in the game she probably had like three or four like literally she like went back sprinted back and like stopped the goal right yep so she succeeded and then seeing the the pride and the confidence and the joy that that brought her like if we she's literally right there like we could call her in and talk to her about it and she would beam up and like strut and that's the beauty of sports learning understanding applying and ultimately the best part is obviously succeeding, right. you know? And so like that was, I'm obviously like in the infancy stages of like what it's like to be a parent of someone that's playing sports, but it's just, that was a, that was the coolest moment for me. Learn, apply, understand, succeed in sports was great. Right. Well, you can take the, the thing that makes sports so great is it's like best Petri dish for life. Yeah. Right. So like you're, you can take a feeling that she now has felt, which is like, I save those goals. Right. And I know what that means. Right? That like that's inherent and like powerful to me. And so let's say X amount of years down the road, she's like, I'm not really great at this. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have to be. Right. Like, are you great at this? Like, just go be great at that. Right. Right. And it's like, oh, well, I can apply that back to something that has such a visceral emotional reaction to me. It's like well, I don't got to score goals. Right. But if I save goals, it's I'm just good. right. So I don't got to be great at X, but if I do Y, I'm still impactful. I'm still really impactful. And that gives right. me purpose. And that's right. why team sports, especially, are so, sure. so amazing. Sure. There's no question. All right. We just got the, we got the look from our, or even though it's Father's Day, I feel like we got the look from, from our wives. Like, you guys need to wrap up this podcast and go. As my daughter is looking at us through the at the pool here. That was either come take care of the kids or I'm really into you. <laughs> ah!
<laughs> I don't know. And I'm guessing it's come taking the care. I don't kids. think they're that into us, but uh, maybe it's just the beers and the confidence that have have grown our our pride. But we should probably go out there and be fathers on Father's Day. We're not going to succumb to what those mothers do on Mother's Day and say that we need to not be mothers. We're going to go be fathers on Father's Day. We're going to take care of our kids because we had those kids, and that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> But while we're doing it, we're going to be like five beers deep and we haven't had lunch. Should we go have lunch and take care of our kids? Hey, appreciate you being on. Like I told you many, many times is like uh, when you were at 1620, it's like, man, go do your own thing. So yeah. The fact that we're sitting here in, this great? in Naples doing a podcast over the kitchen table while our wives take care of the kids. <laughs> and we drink for life. Like, that was the whole reason we pushed you. It's the just whole, this, the, just, just so we could have two this. hour break. Just so we could have this, right? That's, that's exactly right. Well, cheers, Willie. Here we go. All right, buddy boy. They're here. Hey, your inaugural. Hopefully you're not your last time on the pod. All right. All right. My thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.